sports fans, and welcome to episode 77 of State of My Sports. That's State of MI Sports, where we talk about the teams we love and you love in this great state of Michigan. Stay in touch with us on our social media, State of MI Sports, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Learned one in new. <laughs> slow, slow. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast here, alerted when a new episode is out, and share us with some friends to help us grow our audience. Uh, also, check us out on Facebook Live every single Tuesday night when we record, um, and then also the edited version will be on YouTube, our YouTube channel, so check that out as well. Uh, episode 77, we will break down the Lions' win against the Jacksonville Jaguars and preview their game against the Falcons. Uh, we're going to try to do that as quick as possible because we got it's officially Big Ten season, boys. And we got a lot to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna preview yeah. uh, the Michigan Wolverines, the Michigan State Spartans, um, and we're gonna pick our what is it breakout player. Don't forget about player. You guys know how we do it. We're oh, yeah. gonna do that with with both yeah, Michigan awesome. State and Michigan. That'll be a, a good time. We're gonna make some picks against the spread, and of course we're gonna grade some Michigan beers. I am Sam Waltart. With me today we got Ryan Waltart and Micah Smith. Kyle is still on um, sabbatical. Sabbatical. Is it, what's the right? Word? Is that the right word? Yeah, I think I think so. I used that before. It's on the Sabbath. He's it's oh, been is the it? Sabbath for a while, yeah. Oh, gotcha. So yeah, he's 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 gone. I don't think he I don't think I had no idea that that's what that was from. <laughs> I had no clue. But it's not, uh, it's not. Don't worry about it. Oh, it's not? Nope. All no, right. No. <laughs> you guys just like to confuse me. Um <laughs> anyways. Yeah, let's get back on track. We're ready to drink <laughs> some Big Lake Brewing beer. Um as you can see on the Facebook Live, we yeah, how have many? eight different beers in front of us from Big Lake. This is gonna be the Big Lake Brewing uh special basically is what we got going on and we have a lot of beer to get into so we're just going to jump right into it uh it is time to introduce our michigan beers for episode 77 but before we do i want to remind everyone of our partner siciliano's market they are simply the best beer store in west michigan located on lake michigan drive between grand valley state's man campus and the downtown grand rapids uh wherever you live in west michigan it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer uh, whether you know what you want or need some help from their expert staff, Siciliano's Market is is the best place for that. Uh, they not only have a massive and up-to-date inventory of the best craft beer across our great nation, they're individually priced so you can mix and match to build your own six-pack. They have a great selection of craft beer, obviously, specialty wines, spirits, ciders, coffee, tea, tobacco, and cigars. They are also the largest. They also have the largest selection of homebrew and winemaking supplies in West Michigan. Uh, we love that Siciliano's Market is part of the state of my sports family. It is who we visit to pick us out our beer uh, for each and every episode. So check them out and let them know that we sent you. So here we are. We got eight Big Lake Brewing beers in front of us. For everyone that doesn't know, Big Lake Brewing is in Holland, Michigan. Uh, they are. So we got we got just some fun facts that we're gonna go through, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump. Down to number three, to be honest with you. So oh, you gonna are. Be, it's going to get a little confusing, but I just thought it would be a great transition. <laughs> Look, they they, they, were the, they don't they don't know it's number three though. Oh, that's it's a only good us. Well, it's they, like an inside baseball. I, I had to tell you guys so it doesn't, oh, okay. you don't think that <laughs> one's gone. Um, but uh, fastest growing brewery uh, brewing in the country out of seven thousand four hundred breweries. That was in two thousand eighteen. Um, the fastest they were top fifty. That, that's pretty dang cool. Um, yeah, that's right awesome. here in Holland, Michigan. Um, I mean that that that's a f- cool fact. Uh, there are certified only, certified Michigan only uh, brewery, and even have a trademark on the seal. Uh, you see, uh, on the cans basically. Um, with all the mergers and buyouts happening, like in the in this type of uh, industry, 
uh, they they stay independent. They're they're all about that. So that's another little fact for you. You guys got one for us? Yeah, I mean it's cool that they also uh, try to brew brew beers around the activities that they like doing. Yeah, as the brewers, yeah. and so things like golf, camping, boating, fishing, uh, college sports. You know, that's their passion in life, and they brought that to the to the brewery. Too. Yeah, that's really yeah. Cool. I think I think that's one thing that you notice about their cans, and um, very very nice to look at, very like in your face, but they're just like simple at the same time like you know exactly what they were going for and, and like it's not yeah it's they not stand confusing. out yeah, i really they, think they the labels really stand do. out and it, like i don't know does that mean that one of them had a obsession with cotton candy growing up too yeah i would assume so yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that would make sense what it is yeah yeah so uh also they uh, they expanded capacity 100 percent in the last year uh and have been brewing at a capacity at that at capacity since june um they can't seem to keep up with the demand so um with their expanding capacity they're they're just they're making more beer for everybody to drink is yeah, basically what's really, that well and they were you, you already said it right the top 50 fastest growing breweries in the country yeah out of uh 7400 i mean so they're growing like crazy yeah their their head brewmaster worked full-time at his grandparents farm before taking the position <laughs> that's at Big pretty Lake. sweet i didn't really, know that yeah really cool yeah and they only advertise their dominant hops in the beers. So even if they have secondary or third tertiary type of beers or uh, hops in the beer, they only advertise the main beer, uh, main hop in their beers. Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah, I think so. And and then really the last fact that we have about them is is they say that they they try to brew beers so you can drink two or three at one sitting, which I think is really important because when you have these flavorful, heavier type beers, it's like one and you're like, oh boy, I don't know if I can have any more, but like, uh, we've, we've sipped on a couple of these and I, I've never had a beer that I of theirs that I'm like, I don't know if I can drink another one. So yeah. I think that that's, that's a really cool idea. Um, and then they said, of course, someone without a sweet palate can only have one of our cotton candy beers. So, um, that one will be interesting to get into. I guess it's going to be pretty sweet. I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward it's to kind it. of all written all over it and it's going to be sweet. I right? hope so. Yeah. Something new. All right. So let's, let's introduce our beers. Mike, can you start us off with, with the first couple here? Sure can. Uh, I'm drinking Deer Camp, and that one is the, it's a light, crisp, refreshing American lager, and the label, it looks like just Deer Camp. Yeah, we know somebody that, or, that we call sorry, Deer Camp. Deer, deer Beer. <laughs> deer, deer Beer. Deer yeah. Beer, sorry. Deer Beer. Excuse me. Deer Beer. And There's it, a different camping one. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so it it really does taste like one of those beers you would take out with you yeah. and go deer hunting go with. Go deer hunting, and it's lighter. Yeah. It's light. It's uh, 4.2% alcohol, Yep. so very easy to drink. Uh, what, what other ones? Do you have another one for any that you can talk about, maybe point to the can for our, our yeah, viewers? Yeah, so the Big Lake Camper over there. Uh, Which one's I that? think This? Uh, no, that's this one here. Yep, over there. That the Big one. Lake Camper. So <clears throat> that one, I think a couple of us have uh maybe a couple episodes we've rated it but it's a seven percent it's a bold new england ipa uh, with a blast of citrus forward hops so it's it's a good beer from what i've heard from you guys so yeah we sipped on that one actually a little bit last night yeah we did it's really good (laughs) sorry we we uh we were we got a show prep it was show prep yes it was all show a lot of show prep yesterday (laughs) exactly um so there's also uh we're in this together where's that one ryan that's that's the yellow one right there that is uh, their double hazy IPA brewed with Rakau hops from New Zealand. Uh, oh, cool. Giving this beer smooth flavor and aromas of oranges and 
ripened fruit. That one's a seven point seven percent. Seven point seven. Yeah. Go go to the next one, Ryan. Yeah. You, you uh, can talk about su- that one. Superior e haze. Yeah. I I wanted you to say it because I was gonna screw it You're up. Gonna be superior like, A-Z. <laughs> oh, A-Z. A-Z. Oh, oh see, I ruined that one. So that's a UP exclusive. A- I would think. What they told yeah. Me. That's awesome. So it's not even sold in the Lower Peninsula. Not even sold in the Lower Peninsula. But we we got the inside scoop it. here. We got it. Oh, we got one. That's we're awesome. We're gonna try it and we're gonna make the uh, Lower Peninsula people very angry. So it's a hazy double IPA <laughs> brewed with malted oats or oats. <laughs> oats. Quebec. Quebec. Yeast. Yeast, Citra, yeah. and Nelson Sauvin hops. This is only available in the UP and at their pub. All right, and here we got the cotton candy one. Micah, can you tell everybody a little bit about that one? Yeah, it's a cotton candy flavored hazy IPA brewed with Citra and Mosaic hops. People drink it because they want to hate it, but they end up enjoying it. <laughs> nice, that's good. I mean, the, the can's wild, you know? Yeah. All right, so uh, earlier uh, I was drinking Swing Juice, which is the golfer one. I mean, pretty obvious one uh they say it's the crushable ipa made with citra and amarillo hops uh note it is not guaranteed to give you a better golf swing but it can't hurt to try very well written there i thought that was good um i would really i would drink a crap ton of them if it would make my swing better because i I, everyone knows i need as much help as i can get so um and then we got two more I mean, do we have to introduce these? These I are think, like they kind of speak staples. for themselves here. Drum roll, please. Yeah. So we got the haze and blue. It is uh, the New England IPA brewed with loads of juicy citra and mosaic hops. It's just like their classic lake haze, but then they add the blueberries um, to make it the haze and blue. I thought that was interesting. That was uh, the lake haze. I, I actually had the lake haze uh, pretty early on in the in the podcast, but I've also done. He's in blue, so. Um, and then the last one that we'll we'll bring up, and for the Sparty fans, this is not, we didn't leave you guys out for last for, for <laughs> a reason. It just so happened it landed that way. Uh, it's Sparty Party. Uh, it's the New England-style IPA uh, featuring man- Mandarina, Bavaria hops, and Amarillo hops. It is 7% alcohol by volume. So what we're going to do as, as this whole, as we're just unloading all of the information uh, about the podcast, and that was um, just realizing I'm crossing out notes that I wanted to reference later, but I'll yep. I'll figure that out my, I was, on I was my own. Actually, watching you do that, my I'm own like, time. I should've, I'm gonna do check marks. I should have done check marks. That would have been a lot smarter. But we're, what we're gonna do is just kind of basically go through. We have our own little sippers, and we're gonna just start grading them as as we go. And I, I meant to say this to you guys earlier, but please try to keep track of your own grades because I'm gonna have a hard time remembering. So just write That's it on a piece mind. of Got paper it. or something like That's that. That's yours. So, All right. Um, yeah, so what I want to do is really just jump right into the Lions. I think um, there's really, I mean, they won, right? They sure did. They won. Matty yeah. P. So they came, Matty P. <laughs> right? They came off the bye with a nice 34-16 to 16 road win over the now 1-5 Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Stafford went 19-31 of 31 for 223 yards, one touchdown pass, one interception, and completed a pass to 10 different players. Uh, Kenny G quietly had a big game, I, and I say quietly, we'll get into that in a little bit, but he had 105 yards on only four receptions. Uh, Hawkinson had a touchdown um, with one other uh, other catch for 17 total yards. The running game was really, I think, the uh, a nice nice surprise. Um, it, it Swift having, you know, he had a couple big runs. He had a 54-yard run. I think he also had a 20-yard run. Um 100, but, 116 but a, yards on 14 yeah. carries. I mean, that's 8.3 average, and he had two touchdowns. That is 
why we drafted him second or second round. Yeah, he sure looked like a, a high round draft pick <laughs> yep. right there. Uh, AP added uh, 40 yards on 15 carries, so he still had more touches or carries, I should say, uh, than than Swift. Um, but it just helped the Lions gain outgain. They had 180 yards on the ground to Jacksonville's 44. Uh, that's really, I think, a massive story of the game. Um, and, and just the Lions, they, they outgained 403 to 275, um, which is a, just a testament towards what the defense was doing um, in this game in particular. We'll, we'll dissect if it's something to get excited about or if it was just who we were playing. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about the defense here. Uh, they played a solid game from top to bottom. They had the only sack in the game, which was a strip sack by Flowers um, that the Lions recovered. Uh, Duran Harmon uh, made a v- pretty athletic play, I, w- I would say, to to get an interception. And they also forced the Jags to go 0, and t- 0 for 2 on fourth down, um, which are turnovers. So um, you had the two takeaways and then holding them on fourth down a couple times. Uh, it-, it was awesome to see. Um I think the defense, let's start with the defense here and really focus on the way that they looked. I thought they looked prepared and rejuvenated. And most importantly, they were disciplined with their jobs, I thought. They were filling gaps. They weren't focused on you know, going after the quarterback just for the sake. It looked like they were refocusing on stopping the run first. That'll open up the pass rush. Yeah, and that's exactly what you saw. We've talked about it. We, I think we talked about it last week and probably the week before where Trey yeah. Flowers came out and said the reason they're not getting pressure on quarterbacks is because they're getting into second and short situations, third and short situations, so there's no obvious passing down. So what's the best way to do that is to stop the run, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we saw. You know, Going into this, uh, Robinson, the, the rookie running back for the Jaguars, who, who's very, very talented. You yeah. can see how, how good he is and shifty he is. Yep. Uh, he actually he did he couldn't ever get going. He didn't have any light to go anywhere. But he you also saw him in midway through the game where he took a big hit. Yeah, and I think it was Jared Davis actually that laid a hit on him. And from then on, you saw him shy away from contact. He's hesitant. Yeah, instead of going after it. And that's typically the kind of runner he is. He seeks that con- contact, and it just that's the difference that you're talking about. I think the Lions were able to stop the run and it was with their physical play on defense. They were there were a lot of hard popping yeah. hits throughout the game and it started early. Yeah, people didn't want to touch the ball. It, yeah. it looked like and and yeah, when you're down that, by that much as the game went on, but it was like the lines just they were they were hitting people very very hard and that, I thought that was really really exciting. I mean, and, and to kind of touch on a little bit more on the running game, the J- the Jags averaged 98.4 coming into this game. I know it's not too too good, not too exciting for for the Jag, but when the Lions allow 152 per game, it was a scary like going in like that's that was something that we were worried about. Well, if they, they could establish they had a yeah, if they could have established the run game early, that's when Minshew really becomes you know <laughs> good good. I don't know if that's the right word or not. With he him, sure, he sure can be. They they were ranked before this game coming into it. They were ranked in the top ten passing offenses in the NFL. Yep. So it's not like they can't throw the ball. You look at their wide receiver core. I, I mean, I would put it up against the Lions, and I'm saying they're way more talented than we are. Yeah. Overall, just creating separation. So I think it was impressive how our secondary played, but they were also allowed to to play aggressive because of the because of the the pass rush. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and really, I think it, it goes back to kind of stopping the run. So it's obviously a, a process. They stopped the run. Their average third down to go was six point five three yards per per third down. I think that's that's pretty good. Like the Lions, it yeah, seems like awesome. every time it seems like 
the team that they're going against is third and two, third and three. And Ryan, you brought it up. I, I don't know if it was on the podcast or, or or off air at some point, but you said when running is not an option, that's when this def- the, this pass rush will get to the quarterback. And I think we saw it. It was only one sack, so the numbers weren't there. Uh, I couldn't find the the quarterback hurries number. But I just remember Minshew looking like he was running for his life. He was very uncomfortable because the pass rush was there. Yeah, and and I've heard a lot of comments about how the defense has been was blitzing more. They brought pressure. You know, they brought their linebackers. Uh, uh, Jared Davis when he was in when he was in the game, he he blitzed quite a bit. Uh, Ragland blitzed quite a bit. They got they got some pressure from the linebacker position. But I go back to third and longs. You can do that. You can force the issue to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast, create that pressure because you know it's an obvious passing down. If it's third and two and you blitz and you miss that one pass or the the, the one uh, tackle, then that's when that's when you see the eighty yard runs. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, I think I, I was very happy with the way this defense played. So, I and I, I think Trey Flowers really led the way with that too. I think he was he was the leader of the defense. And and it, it was way before the game even started. By stuff that he was saying, what they need to focus on during the bye week, and and what their focus was going into the game. Like I thought that was very very nice to see because usually he he does not he doesn't talk a lot. Yeah, and we and we heard uh, the coaching staff come out and announce that they were simplifying the game, and going yep. into this over over the bye week they had too much stuff going on, too many reads and everything else that the the defense was having to do. They they wanted to simplify the game for the defense. And actually it was kind of interesting hearing Patricia talk in his press conference after he actually clarified and said, I, I didn't mean simplifying the scheme. It had nothing to do with the scheme. It was more, uh, I think what he ended up doing was listening to the, to the players and, and the times that they were getting thrown off and they were having to switch or not switch. They just let them do their natural ability. So, so you saw more cornerbacks staying where they were instead of chasing guys all over the field and then doing all these crazy different plays. Yeah. They also simplified in more of a zone uh, in early downs. And then okay. later on when they were bringing the pressure, they were in the man tight man-to-man coverage yeah. on the outside. Yeah, so I, I looked at the number. It was only 39% of the defensive snaps were in man coverage. Yeah. Which I think is probably the lowest all, all season long, in my, in, in, I would assume. I know we did a lot of uh, zone against... Uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah, we did, and it was successful then as well. Um, so I, I wonder if if that's just another matchup thing that Patricia finds and, and wanted to go with, or if it's going to be the new like, are they changing the scheme as a whole? Like, it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think it's a different type of team that you're preparing for. It's not necessarily a high flying offense. I think that we we talked about a lot as we were watching. It's like he just Minshew didn't have arms, doesn't have a ton of arms. Yeah, strength. he really doesn't, and, especially when he's off balance. Yeah, and and he was the whole time. So um, when you start playing guys like Matt Ryan, here we here we go. That guy has some arm strength. It'll be interesting to see what the way that they they go. Um, one more thing that I wanted to bring up before we turn it over to the defense, if you're okay with that. Um, We're on the defense. Will, That's okay or yeah, sorry. Before we move over to the offense, uh, Will Harris only played one snap. Um, I think that's that's interesting to see, and, and that probably has a lot to do with the going to. Uh, more zone, less man, maybe. And and who was playing? Or, uh, Curse, right? Yeah. Is that who you're going to Yeah, Jaron Curse. Yeah. yeah. He's, and I really like how physical he is. And when he's in the game, Tracy Walker gets to run all over the field and make plays. And he's not having to, to jump in and be the enforcer because between Smith 
and or I'm sorry, Will Harris and uh, Tracy Walker, there isn't that thumper. There's not the guy that just is super physical. And I think Jaron Curse adds that to the Lions' defense with maintaining the speed out there. Yeah. And then and then Tracy Walker is the skill safety that he he can fill in wherever we need him. Right. And he can be the playmaker. Yeah. So unless you had any uh, other defense that you want to bring up, I, I just think I want to bring up the cornerbacks because I think. It's exciting to see the progression of our cornerbacks. We don't have our top two corners. We haven't had them in a while. Jeffrey Okuda is stepping up. He every single game. He, he you know we saw him get he got burned one time yep. against a, again a good Jags wide receiver. He yeah. had over a hundred yards too in that game. Yeah, he he's been getting better week after week, and he looks more and more comfortable. I think the zone helps him here and there, and he only other than that one pass play, I think he gave up three other catches and they were all on that one drive okay where they were playing a prevent defense and yeah. it was just like he was not getting beat over the top I, to me that's just garbage yards you know yeah, against and, it, him. and it wasn't even necessarily against him it looked like it was more handing off they were playing yeah major zone and being like okay who's he running in front of okay i guess he was mine but we were okay with that three to five yard pass Yep. We'll make the tackle. And we'll you're also and you was still wondering who who was actually on him. Yeah. Whose and, guy was it technically? And you're I seeing, remember having that, that conversation yeah. with me several times. And so. he's and he is uh he's tackling too. And I think that's one of the one of the big perks of drafting him, and that's what the Lions knew what they were getting into, is this guy can tackle. Yeah. So even if he hasn't been the most solid cornerback all he's not, year he's so not far. A shut down guy yet. Not yet, but he has made some big tackles. Even even against DeAndre Hopkins, I remember the one pass like five yards behind the line of scrimmage near the in the goal uh, near the goal line, and he came up and just made a, a big time tackle. That's the kind of player that I think we're starting to see more and more consistently. And then Amani. Yeah, Warrior. We we talked about him. He he has been awesome. What a I mean. For missing our top two corners, he's turning into a shutdown number one corner. It feels like it. Big it play really guy. does. Yeah. I mean, he. it seems like every time the ball's thrown, he's getting a hand on it. They called that – he He was one that got the pass interference, right? Um, Or no, or was that Roberts? No, that was – That was Roberts, Yeah, right? it was Daryl Roberts, yeah. Um, But but anyways, like, it, he's – it seems like every time he's, he's getting a hand in there. He reminds me a lot of Slay because he's physical and, like – but he's getting call, like not he's getting calls in his favor. There, yeah. There's contact, it's tic tac, there's tic tac, but yeah. he's not getting the the calls like Slade didn't get. Um, you, you know what I'm? Am I saying that right? Like he yeah. wasn't getting flags thrown on those, you know, sixty forty. Like you could like you could throw the flag forty percent of the time type thing. Right. And he seems to be getting. You can see he not shadows. The you can <laughs> see he shadows the wide receivers really well. Yeah. He doesn't. They don't break away from him very often. So when yeah. there's a when there's a pass play, it's always a risk. It's always risky around him because, you you know, he did actually get beat. The worst he got beat all game was on the interception, and mm-hmm. then and then Harmon was right there to clean it up. So I mean, yeah. I, I'm really liking how the secondary looks. The the Falcons will be a huge test. Huge test. I'm not yeah. saying that they are a dominant group. I'm not saying that the Lions' defense is great and they've turned it around, but they did their job against an inferior team, and it was just good to see because that's not what we're used to seeing in those situations. Yeah. Micah, please jump in if, if there are any comments or something that, that you think are, are valuable so we yeah. don't uh, get them too far behind. Not with your opinion, we do, just with comments. You, or, yeah, or, well, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of the game. <laughs> I watched some, not yeah. a whole lot. So just honestly interrupt if, if there are comments um, before we move yep, over we'll uh, to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I already brought up uh, DeAndre Swift, 116 yards on 14 rushes, 8.3 average, 54-yard run, two touchdowns, three catches to seven yards. Um, that's not too exciting, but um, I, I – I, I don't want to get too excited about this because we've seen it before from Lions, like running backs, like a little flash. 
but it, it feels different this time. He seems legit. He's getting he's getting noticed by 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 national people that don't really watch the game. Um, you know what I mean? It's because he looks different. He looks way different, and it's it's extremely exciting. He's got every everything that he, that he needs to be successful in this league. He seems like more of a genuine NFL ready workhorse than anyone you guys have had come in. No, mm-hmm. no, no offense against uh, on Johnson. I think he's kind of got a little bit of shifty, small bit of elusiveness, but he he doesn't have that longevity of really getting around the edge or just barreling down the middle, to be honest. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think you're right. I think DeAndre Swift has – he's got that it factor. Yeah, and he, he's looking more and more comfortable every single game. So what was that? So we're 2-3, we're and three, right? So that was – like if, if he had four uh, preseason games like most rookies would have, this would be his first starting game. You know what I mean? And I know it's it's a weird way to look at it, but it's like that's kind of what it – that's what preseason's for is for these rookie, rookies to really get a taste and, and get a feel – and he's he looked so confident today or on Sunday, and that was um, nice to see. And I hope I hope it, it continues. Um, Ryan, what, what were your thoughts on on Swift's game? Yeah, I just think the vision is I think what sets him apart. We've seen him bounce runs outside that aren't designed to bounce it outside, but he isn't doing it and losing. Like you'd see Reggie Bush do that here and there, and it's like he just had a habit of bouncing outside, and and he would always just get caught. Yeah, every once in a while he'd have that one run. But other than that, it was like, oh, he tried to bounce it again. He should have cut it right upfield. That's not what Swift is doing. He's If there's nothing there, he finds himself bouncing it outside because he's always feeling uh, the hole. You know, he, he's he's gravitating away from the players and towards the, towards the air, I guess. I don't know. But I, you saw the speed, I think, at top speed when he made the cut on the 54-yard run. He got the top speed. And just the way his athletic ability and the way he runs – he just looks like a different type of running back at that point. Yeah, that was a weird noise. My my bad. Was that you? <laughs> yeah, that was really weird. I, I thought somebody poured a drink. It's, it's That's the, what I thought it was. <laughs> it was I thought you played one, one of my sound effects. <laughs> That's what I thought um, it was. No, but and then the other thing is, I I thought what was so cool was, uh, you know, he had already had a good game going, and then in the third quarter. That's when you saw him with that big hit that he. Uh, oh against, yeah, against ran the that, safety ran or was that a guy quarterback. Right over. I don't remember who it was. Yeah, I don't know who it was either. But he punished that. Guy. He really did, and I know that the the announcers made a comment saying that uh, that defensive back is one of their hardest hitters, really good defenders on the team, and and he came up and got leveled. So that was really cool to see that you know Swift not only had the top speed, not only had the vision, but when it was time for him to just run somebody over, he did that too. Yeah, one thing, another thing on the touchdown, one of his touchdowns, it was. Uh, it was the same drive that he got that that big 54 54 yard run, um, but then he, they, they got first and goal. I think it was inside the three or five or I something think it was like, like that. The six, six it or seven. Six. And then they they handed the ball off to him three times, and he got sh- stopped at the goal line. I think twice, pretty much. First and one then, was pretty good. Get him close. Yeah, get then him he close. Got stopped. Then he got stopped. But then they gave the ball to him again, and I just remember like hearing like obviously with with not as many fans in the stands as we're used to. It's like. You could hear people on the on the field, and they were like, "We knew you could do it," and like they were so excited for him. You had AP on the sideline that you brought up. Um, he he was the first guy to greet him, type stuff. Like this team seems to really like him, um, and, and he's got a little swag to him. So um, I'm glad that this his little swag it works 
with a team atmosphere yeah, I think in, it, in a skill position because sometimes you never know when, when they they don't work. You know what I mean? Well, it helps that he lost game one, so I think the team wanted to rally around him. <laughs> that's, that's I'm not, like, it doesn't help the team overall, but I'm just saying like it might bring him together in the long run. Yeah, yeah, for pro. sure. All right, so before we move on to um, to more of the offense, we did crack open the cotton candy haze. Ryan, you haven't poured yourself any. I'm sorry. Um, I, I finished mine. Um, I've, I thought it was a little too sweet. A little too sweet for me. Um, it, it's good. It's got that. It does have that cotton candy flavor. It really, truly does. Yep. Um, it's something that I wish I could have my kids try. Um, because it's like, <laughs> I think you'd really like it. And then uh, no I, one's I, I stopping you. That. I can't do that. So. <laughs> I will. I'll probably no, stop. I, I would never do that. But it's just like I, I gotta hide those just just in case uh, Peyton sees that. But uh, it, it was solid. I mean, it, it's a little too sweet for me. I, I gave it a seven five. Um. Micah, did you you've yeah. tasted it? What, what do you think? Yeah, the the front half of this beer, it really is like cotton candy heavy, yeah. and then it dissipates really really quick, like cotton candy. Yeah, right, <laughs> sure right. does. It just melts um, away. But I I honestly don't think you can have a whole lot more of cotton candy in a beer. It would just be yeah. weird. Yep. So I think they did it well. I I think they did it really well to do. for a yeah. cotton candy beer. Who's got a cotton candy yeah. beer? That, that's I wonder who came up with that idea. It, it's that's wild. A, it's interesting. Some, one of them liked it, you know. Yeah. They, they, one of them likes camping, and one um, of them likes cotton candy. I I couldn't drink a ton of these, but it, it's kind of a a fun beer that I've never had, and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the seven 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 seven. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna disagree with you guys, hundred percent. I don't I don't think this is difficult to drink at all. I don't think I'd get tired of this after one. We really? we had one just a couple days ago, and I didn't it's I didn't get too tired sweet of it. For me, but uh, and I'm I don't know. I think it's it's actually like refreshing at the beginning, and then the aftertaste is the ca- the cotton candy that sticks around to me. Okay. Oh. So am I just completely? It's just different palate. Or what's just going different on? palate. It just hits different for <laughs> you. I'm gonna go. Bro. I'm gonna go eight two. Eight two. Yeah, I think All it's right. good. I don't know why they tried it. I don't know how they pulled it off, but I think it's it's. I'm one of those that would have been like. Tried it to hate it and actually end up. Yeah, it. it's their cotton candy IPA. I mean, that is that's a lot of different stuff going on. So um, that's that was our first grade of the night. Um, be sure to stick around as we continue to dig through them. Um, so I do want to talk about Stafford. Um, I, I brought up his stats earlier. I'll read him again. Uh, 19 of 31, 223 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, I think it was a really weird game for him, and I feel like that's kind of the. What what we're seeing right now with him, and, and it's it's very strange because he's he's making unbelievable throws, like way downfield, spot on, like very difficult throws for most quarterbacks in this league. But then he seems to also be missing some. Um, he's getting drops as well, not nearly as bad as I would as, as usual, I would say. Um, but it, it's just it, I I don't know. I I have no idea what to think about Stafford because. He looks so good in one throw, and then the next one, it's like, oh man, he just missed him. You know what I mean? Well, take it with a grain of salt, though. He so he doesn't have to go four, five hundred yards and obnoxious numbers to to either fall short or come close and and have uh, your kicker come through again. It's like you have balance. You had a great defense this last game. Yeah. You had a good run game. It, everything was balanced, like team team wise, from one end to the other. Like, 
don't discount this one game. Who cares? No, I, you know? and it's not just this one game. I feel like it's been the story of the, of the season because there have been times that I think he could have gone out and won the game. I think he did go out and win the game against the Bears. He played really good that game. He, they deserved to win that game. There's no question in my mind. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. We should be 3-2 and two if it wasn't for a drop pass. <laughs> but I think he had an opportunity to – to beat the Saints, I think he could have when, during the comeback, and he also had a he should have been able to stop the bleeding when, when they scored 35 straight points. That's when I want Stafford to really step up, and that's what he hasn't been doing in the losses at least. Um, and and I think even in the wins, like it, you, it feels like he left something out there, and it's different. I'm not saying it's bad. I'll take a win anytime, but the staff we're seeing isn't going to win every single one of these games because there's going to be a day that our defense doesn't show up or it doesn't match up. Well, um, I think this week's a really good example is even if our defense plays a little, a little worse than they did today or, or Sunday, and we need Stafford to play three steps better, basically, if we want to win this game. And that's what I haven't seen yet. I don't see a Stafford that can go out and go in a, um, shootout with with the the Atlanta Flat Falcons. You know what I mean. Okay. Um, so I, I, I'm not saying he can't do it. The, I'm not saying that at all. And I'm okay with winning this type of game. I yeah. I don't need to see 350 yards um, in this type of game. But it's just there's something missing, and I want it to change before it's too late. Basically, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. It, 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 we talked about it when we were watching the game too. There was there was that moment in the second quarter. The Lions were up 17 to three. And they had a chance to pull away. And then there were some mistakes. There were some bad drives. There were two or three bad drives in a row where we didn't put any points on the board. We didn't take advantage of the, the strip sack. We didn't we didn't finish the game at that point. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we came yep. out in the third quarter and we had a good game. But that's that's the point of the game where a good team like the Packers or uh, you know the Saints or anybody else would come back and we'd say, oh, no, same old lines. Yep. The, the Jaguars didn't have it. They didn't have – that it factor they they didn't they're not competitive enough they're not good enough to to they're come back in a game enough. like that yeah, yeah. Exactly. and the lions took advantage of it and their defense was great and all that stuff but they also there was that point in the game where a good team would have made their comeback they would have answered yeah. the call and stafford was still not there to to put the game away and put it to 24 to 3 or whatever you know in the second quarter yep mike you said so, you had something yeah mike Workham was chiming in uh he's saying stafford being off for a whole year and now only five games in. That's a good point. He's That's play- a really good point. He's playing like the guy who took a year off, you know, and should only improve as the year goes on. And he says he could have used a preseason. Well, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. I think I think there's still the other factor involved here, and that's the wide receivers. And we've talked about it, but I was listening to Big Jer and Jim this week, and they brought up some stats to back up what we have been talking about and what we've been seeing on the field. Danny Amendola, the number three wide receivers in the bottom third of wide receivers in the NFL that create separation. The oh. bottom third, okay? Kenny Galladay. We all love Kenny Galladay. He makes great plays. He makes those 50-50 balls. He comes out with the 80% of the time. You yeah. know, he's he's yep. a phenomenal wide receiver, but he ranks in the bottom 20 wide receivers in wow. the NFL for creating separation. Uh, who, who's my, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones Jr. He is in the bottom Two, two wide receivers in the NFL for creating space. Wow. There's yeah. There is something to be said about Matthew Stafford not looking perfect because there are no options because every throw he makes has to be a perfect, spectacular, amazing throw. 
And I just don't think this is sustainable. I don't think we can go through a full season and be competitive like like people are, you know, the Hope Bum's coming back and they're they're trying to be competitive right now. I don't think it's sustainable week after week. I don't think our wide receivers are athletic enough to pull away from inferior cornerbacks. Yeah. We don't have that talented guy that I don't know, can go pick on a on a cornerback that isn't very athletic. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting I think as we get into the preview of the next of the next uh game against the Falcons is this will be a good test to see what our wide receivers can do against a bad pass defense. Um, sorry, getting ahead of myself here. I did want to bring up Kenny Kenny G um, before before we move on. Um, but I mean, he had four catches, 116 yards. He had a really nice game. Um, and then he went to Instagram, and this is where this is when things got interesting. Was that? Well, that was, that was weird. the bell, yeah. <laughs> Am I done? We went to Instagram. Sorry, all right, we'll talk to you next week. We don't talk about that here. <laughs> um, he went onto his Instagram and he said, uh, "This s gonna cost gun cost you. Uh, don't let that go over y'all head." So uh, here we go. What does that mean? I'm assuming that means this type of game is going to cost you more money, Detroit. Yes, is the way I I interpreted it he's he's <laughs> looking for that contract and every game he has over a hundred yards is yeah make that contract so the people, r- richer yeah the people that don't know he's on the last year of his rookie deal um he wants a new contract he's not holding out which is a major props to him um but you got to work this deal out so it do you i don't even think we should ask the question unless you guys you got to Pay him right with with you don't have any other wide receiver uh, uh, under contract um, other than Quintez Cephas who's disappeared. Um, but pay him, I, or you're going to pay someone else. Well, pay I don't, him. I don't think, I don't think I want to come at this with my opinion on it. But I just think there are some interesting factors at play right here. Yeah, what do you got? Because you know, what is what is he going to earn? Is he going to earn Amari Cooper numbers? Where we're paying him twenty million dollars a year. That's probably what he's looking for, and. The NFL has not released any statements this this year yet to say that their cap is going to grow like we're used to seeing year after year, and yeah. it makes sense in a COVID year. Why would the cap? Why would the salary cap get bigger? They're saying it's going to go down. If it shrinks, they're all predict, pr- predicting it's yeah. Go down. If it shrinks, is this the year to sign a big wide receiver contract that doesn't create separation? I'm just throwing it out. There. So, so do you want me to answer or no? I think I think they're yeah. Go ahead and answer. Okay, I think yes because. It's it might go down, but then what is it going to do after that? It's going to skyrocket up, and then you want to have him locked up already. If you say you franchise tag him, if say you go that way, and then you want to sign him, then say it goes back up, that makes him even more valuable. That means there's going to be another two or three wide receivers that get another deal, and that just raises his his salary. I think paying him earlier would have been a better idea. You know what I mean? And I don't like that it's continuing to click down. It, it ticked down because if you want him long-term, if you're going to sign him, the longer you wait, the more it will cost you because this is your one chance to not have any bidders against you either. So don't let anybody else even try to bid, in my opinion. So, I mean, if, I don't... if he's good, if he's as good, if, if he's as good as he thinks, if he's as good as Detroit thinks, he's going to get paid by somebody, and the, his price tag is going to go up. I think you. He, I think you only pay him if your plan is to pair him with somebody else. I, I, yeah. And we and we also talked about this over the weekend. You know, if yeah. if if he doesn't create separation, but he's a great fifty fifty ball guy, then you need to surround him with somebody who's athletic enough to stretch the defense, so that every time he's around, 
the the safeties have to make their decision, right? They're yeah. they're gonna they're gonna play deep and, and go safe over the top on the other guy, whoever they bring in for this, or they have to focus on Galladay, and then and then Stafford has options at that point. I think he's a great wide receiver to have. He's one of those big fifteen yard, ten fifteen yard. He's like a DeAndre Hopkins kind of a talent, you know, where he's not gonna, he's not a huge huge burner, but he's just a phenomenal wide receiver. But you also need to surround those guys with the great athletes to to create the separation, to, to put that level of fear in the cornerback and the safety's minds that you might get beat over the top. Right. And I think if they if they pair him with somebody like that, then I'd be okay with it. What I don't want in this is to trade for a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick because Kenny Galladay was a an awesome steal of the draft in the third round. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Replace him with another third-round pick and hope it. it works out? Yeah. That, that would be the worst thing we could do, in my opinion. Yeah, we are going a little long with, with the Lions talk here, but um, we do got to preview a little bit uh, of the game. I have a lot of information here. I, I don't think I, – I, I just don't have time for it right now. I just think on paper, you look at the, the, the Falcons' offense, they're going to destroy the Detroit Lions' defense, right, on paper. But when you really start dissecting it, you do find matchups that make this a possible win Um do you guys have it? You just want me to kind of go with myself and, and move yeah, on? Just roll with it. Yeah, All right, with it. Maybe open a beer as as I go here. Um, look, I, I I talked about or I, I wanted to bring up basically the Falcons are, are the better team. They're four fourth in total yards per game with four hundred nineteen to the Lions two hundred twenty fourth. Uh, Falcons are second in passing yards and and uh, Lions are twenty second. Um, but the the teams are pretty even in the rushing game. Um, but then you look at the defense, and, and the Lions actually have a much better defense. I know this is very shocking to to Detroit Lions fans that there's a, a worse defense out there for you. Um, but uh, Atlanta is is 31st in yards allowed per game, 22nd. Um, sorry, Lions are 22nd. I'm I'm losing my mind over here. Uh, to to Atlanta's 31st with 442 yards per game. Atlanta is also 31st in pass defense, um, but are the fifth best run defense at the same time. Um, so that that'll be interesting to see how how it goes in. I, a, a matchup that I think benefits Lions um, are are the offensive weapons and depth. Um, I'm not sold on Atlanta's run defense necessarily. I think it's more or less. People don't run the ball on them because you can throw on them that easily. And I think the the repertoire that Stafford has in front of them, I really think that this could be, and I said it last week too, going against the Jags, that I think Stafford could have a massive game. And this one tells me he's going to have to have a massive game, and he's going to have a massive game. So I think through the air is the way this is going to happen um, numbers-wise. But then you look at it really on paper, is, is whoever establishes the running game, is going to open up the passing game. They're both going to be really good through the air. That's how you're going to um, hurt the other team. But you're not going to do that unless you can establish the run and make that a threat first, I think. So that's kind of where I wanted to focus on is if Lions can be the first to establish the running game, they could open up the passing game, play action, and really take advantage of it. I'm, I'm really interested. Do you agree with that? Or, or? I do. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm really interested to see where – um, where uh, Julio Jones is is lining up against, you know, like where yeah. where is he on the field? Who is responsible? Are they going to shadow him, or are they going to let their the cornerbacks play in their natural positions? Uh, Julio moves all over the place, and it'll just be interesting to see those matchups. Yeah, what are we, what are we drinking now? We're drinking. We're in this together. I believe oh, yeah. this is the uh, COVID beer. I think yeah, that's I, probably I, what that is. I think that's what that means. Yeah. So it's their double hazy IPA brewed with. 
Rakao hops from New Zealand, uh, giving the beer smooth flavor and aromas of oranges and ripened fruit. Um, definitely can taste the orange. That is a very good beer, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't this know is if awesome. you guys like that one or not. but um, We're in this together, boys. Drinking this beer. Uh, I, I, someone else grade first so I can get this the, the break song ready to go. Uh, there's a lot of citrus flavor in this beer. You can taste it. It's really, really bold. Um, it's it's really smooth for a double, too. Really easy to drink. Yeah, it really is. Um, man, this would be real good on a hot day. It's good right now. I wonder if you could garnish it with an orange. Really. Did I already say that? It's pretty bold, you isn't it? You didn't like, say that, but you could. <clears throat> Honestly, it's like a deep, deep color. I, even I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with a deep score here. I'm gonna go with a 8.5. Whoa, that's deep. I think you're right on. Yeah, I actually. I think really that is beer. a really good beer. I think that's a really good grade. Um, the f- the fruit flavor is like it's perfect. I think orange is one of the easiest. I, I don't know if easiest is the right word, but. When it's done it, right. It is, when it's done right, yeah. It, it is like, yeah. it is. you know what they're going for. It's. It could be really strong. Like, honestly, orange is one of the things, like, that you always want more in a beer. You know what I mean? You garnish stuff with, with oranges constantly with, with with the type of beer that, that are supposed to. So, um, I, I yeah, I, I'm going to go with 8.5 as yeah, well. Yeah, third with you that too. Eight All right, 8.5 is across the board. I like that. We agreed. We agreed on it for once. We're not going to fight. Uh, as we take a break. Um, So what we're going to get into right after the break is is we're going to talk about Michigan State Spartans. It is game week. We're going to preview this season. Um, It's an eight-game season, and we got a lot to to unfold. So uh, please uh, wait through the break, and we will will, um, talk about that. That's a little Sparty party pouring. No, it really wasn't. But Not yet. <laughs> that was... It will soon. We're, we're ready to talk some uh, Big Ten football. This is going to be a grand old time, I'll tell you. Uh, we got uh, Michigan State. We're going to start with them. Uh, Michigan State finished uh, the season 7-6, and 4-5 and five in the Big Ten play um, to finish 5th in the East Division. Uh, the Spartans received a bid to the 2019 Pinstripe Bowl where they defeated Wake Forest 27-21. to It is a brand-new era for Michigan State football, and it begins on Saturday noon against Rutgers. Um, before we dig into the particular game, uh, we need to talk about this, the state of the program. Uh, just to remind everyone, the Spartans' winningest head football coach, Mark D'Antonio, is no longer the coach, and new coach Mel Tucker is trying to start his tenure out on the right foot in 2020. Uh, as as a head coach, he went 2-3 and three, uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2011 before being the D.C. for the Chicago Bears and then making a move to the college game uh, with Alabama, Georgia, uh, from 2015 and 2018, uh, before getting his f- head coaching job uh, at, at Colorado in 2019, where he went five and seven. Here we are jumping over to uh, Michigan State after one year in Colorado. Uh, Long term, I believe that this is a very good hire for for the Spartans. Who, they signed Tucker to a five year contract for 5.5 million dollars per season. He hired Scotty Hazelton. Um, who who has a nice long resume and was hired away from his defensive coordinating position at Kansas State. On the offensive side, Jay Johnson made the move with Mel Tucker from Colorado. He was the OC and the quarterback coach there in 2019, uh, and he takes over the same position uh, at Michigan State. 
in hopes to revamp this offense uh, to help out a defense that, that should be um, able to continue uh, being an upside. Um, I, I think that's really what D'Antonio instilled in this program was defense first. Um, he still has a lot of his guys there, so we'll see what that turns into, um, if Mel Tucker can, can develop them and stuff like that. But um, it's a massive wait and see from so many aspects of, of the Spartans here is, is the way I really look at it. But we do have some answers, I feel like, as well. And we had to dig into them to get them. Um, so let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Um, as of now, it's uh, it's unclear who, who's going to replace uh, Brian Lewerke, uh, junior Rocky Lombardi. Uh, mixed results uh, as a spot starter in 2018. Didn't really get a whole lot uh, of of, in, uh, of playing time in 2019 um, in mop-up duty, but he, he struggled when he was there. Um, there's also sophomore uh, Theo Day. Uh, he has size, arm strength, and a decent athleticism. Uh, redshirt freshman is also uh, Peyton Thorne is also like a rising threat to, to be the starter um, to win the job like as in they spring, they were yeah. gonna come out of spring but here, here we are in, in the middle of fall um, if, if spring took place you wonder if if a younger guy would have an opportunity but it really feels like to me that it's going to be either be Rocky Lombardi by default based on everything that's going on or maybe they 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 take a chance at, at I mean. Who was it? Theo Pey- Day, Peyton, Peyton Thorne. Thorne. Peyton Thorne. Yeah, yeah thank they're, you. They're the top two. Candidates so you, you don't at this think point. it's going to be Theo Day? I really don't. Okay. Do you? I just from guessing, no. I mean, it, from from the talks last year at the end of the year, it sounded like it was going to be Peyton Thorne or Rocky Lombardi or nothing. Here's the thing, the, Theo Day. He doesn't throw a bad ball. He actually throws a pretty decent ball. Yep. Um. But he he looks, I don't even like robotic almost. Like he doesn't look like a natural feel for the position. When I've seen him in in some of the highlight videos that I've watched, when I've seen him in his practice videos and watched him do his like drills and everything, I don't know. I'm just not impressed with how how he moves overall. Just like the, you I'm know, sorry, who who his who, positions? Which Theo, Theo Day. Day. Okay. And, and all the rumors coming out of the Michigan State side has not pointed towards him it's been more towards Peyton Thorne actually um it, it look it's a tough if it, it's a tough spot for a brand new coach to be in all right what are you gonna do throw the whole program to a redshirt freshman or are you gonna try to establish something with a redshirt junior with that the team's already familiar with and knows but it doesn't have the upside that Peyton Thorne has yeah it, it's gonna be really interesting and I think we're gonna learn a lot about Mel Tucker here because um I think Michigan fans complained a lot because they felt like Harbaugh went with just the next guy up because he was next in line instead of maybe it being a, a full-on battle. It's like I, I would hope that Mel Tucker doesn't use that 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 thought and and gives it to who he really thinks it can be the leader of the program. I think that that's really what this this season's about is finding the direction of the program. Like yeah, a, a head coach can point in the right direction, but if you don't have the players leading your program in that same direction, that's where you can really screw things up very quickly. So I, I hope that he trusts his gut, and I hope that he trusts his vision for the next five years, not trying to salvage one or, th- or three to four wins out of this particular season. Right. Yeah, finding leaders and, and truly finding an identity to that team yeah. is going to be key. Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I think um, – Again, I think Rutgers is kind of the perfect week one 
game because then you can. I, I really hope they put both quarterbacks out there. Really, I, I want to see. Interesting. I want to see Peyton Thorne on the field. How he responds to game situations and game speed, because that's something that's an unpredictable feeling. You don't know until you throw them out there in that situation. So I think if Peyton Thorne, if it, look, if you watch him in his high in high school highlights and everything, and you watch him in practice, he stands in the pocket really really calm cool collected he he throws a pretty good ball here and there it gets a little squirrely on him and, and it's not the most impressive thing but I think he kind of commands an offense and he could be that court kind of a quarterback for Michigan State to do really good things I think in the Big Ten but you don't know how he's going to react as a freshman that's the biggest question mark that's the reason in my opinion that you would go with Lombardi at all because I don't think Lombardi is very talented but if you're running a crazy kind of weird, awkward running schemes when Lombardi gets out on the edge and can use his athleticism, it, it could work. So I, what I'm saying is I hope both of them get a get a shot. I hope Peyton Thorne can show either he's ready or he's not ready and they can make a solid decision after week one. I think a lot of the decision will, will be f- – will be on like basically they'll make that decision based on how much they trust the offensive line uh, they have 10 returning offensive linemen um, that have started at least one game uh, due to widespread injuries in 2018 and 19 uh, several of them have played functional football at some point in their careers uh, senior stops or senior center Matt Allen and senior left tackle AJ Akuri uh, are keepers obviously um, and when healthy guard tackle Kevin Jarvis is, is a standout um, He's recovered from the, the knee injury. So I, I think you have those three positions locked up, but it's going to be a revolving door. And if one of these guys go down, like that, that's going to throw a major wrench in offensive line. That I know like the, in, people talk about 10 returning starters as, as that's a good thing. And I, and I look at it as a bad thing because either they don't stay healthy or you just don't have enough talent and depth that you trust. So that you're just switching people out and hoping to catch uh, fire in a bottle, bottle basically. Um, so I, th- I, I'm, it'll be interesting to see if that plays a part in who they put in. Are they going to throw a freshman behind a bad offensive line? No way in, in heck they're going to do that. But will they throw in someone that they don't really care about? And I'm sorry, but Rocky Lombardi, that, that's not necessarily the future of the program and you're willing to risk. If they don't trust the offensive line, I think that's what they should do. Or if they do trust the offensive line and they really think they have something that can they can build on 2021, put in a young guy, let him become a leader. So I I agree with you because if they're if Rocky's playing some pretty subpar ball halfway through the year or so, what what would be the point of keeping him in? Stop yeah. seasoning the guy. The guy's had couple half seasons, couple partial seasons, or what have you, but taking a guy who has a really high upside, like you're saying, there is no point to delaying that process. Yeah, yeah but there is some sort of grooming a quarterback when he's ready. That's when you put him in a position to succeed. You don't just throw retro freshman quarterbacks out there all the time if they're not ready for it because – they might be the most talented guy on the team week one, right Right when they get signed, coming out of high school, but you don't put them in a position to fail to lose that confidence. And so that's the biggest question mark with me. I think there is a really cool opportunity for, for Michigan State, though, because uh, the dynamic between wide receiver and quarterback, um, Jaden Reed, Jaden Reed is a backup wide receiver. He's number two on the depth chart uh, behind Lares Nelson. 
and he, who's a senior, so I think he's actually better than him. He was the star wide receiver for Peyton Thorne in high school. So oh, they, really? they already have okay. really good chemistry. That could be somebody. If Peyton, if, if Peyton Thorne comes in and plays, I think it would be in their best interest to play Jaden Reed at the same time and have that familiarity, that yeah. understanding, that anything chemistry to, already. Anything to make him comfortable for yeah. sure. Um, I, I think you, you look at the offensive side, you can – be very excited about Elijah Collins. I think there there is no question um, that that sophomore. I mean, he rushed for 988 yards and and a 4.5 per attempt uh, last year. Uh, he offers a g- good, uh, not great mix of acceleration and vision, but the the, the dude. He he proved last year against a, a questionable offensive line that he is he has the talent to um, to be a good running back in the Big Ten. Um, I think Elijah Collins is um, the bright spot that you can count on going into this 2020 season. He's going to be their fail-safe a lot of the time. I mean, I I really don't know how he is in kind of pass-catch situations, but he he is a reliable staple on that offense. And they're they're going to rely on him a lot. Yeah, he's good. He's earned it. That's yeah, hundred percent. Bad offenses. It's not just by default. I think. No, he's definitely earned that. Yeah. Bad offenses. He's he's almost a thousand yard rusher. Four point five yards per attempt. Again, bad offenses. Bad offensive line. Bad quarterback. That's impressive. Yeah, that means he's he's elusive. He's got some high end speed. He's a really good athlete, and actually, he's got a really good backup too. I think Anthony Williams is it junior. Yeah, I, yeah. Anthony Williams Jr. is actually he, he he's an underrated athlete. I think it's in their best interest, Michigan State, that is to use their running backs. I think they know this too, but they're they're going to use their running backs in a in a way to get their athletes out in space as much as they can in that kind of an offense. Yeah. So the quarterback, whoever they pick, he he needs someone to throw the ball to. Uh, Michigan State lost their top three pass catchers, um, so the Spartans will rely heavily on Jalen Naylor who only had 15 catches in four games uh, due to injuries. Uh, he has been explosive and healthy, um, but then you look at uh, Trey Mosley. He emerged with 21 catches last year as a true freshman. Uh, you did a good job, but, I mean, man, I, that is another big question mark. I, I like Jalen Naylor. I think I actually picked him to be my uh, breakout player last year. He was he was on one of my lists that I, w- I was interested in him. It was a disappointing year, but I – I'm not sure he can be a true number one in the Big Ten, and that's where I I'm, I don't know if they have that. I mean, is there a wide receiver that that really gets you excited? If you even have a quarterback that can, whatever quarterback you pick, um, to to throw the ball to and trust. Not on paper. Yeah, it, somebody needs to emerge. Basically. Oh yeah. Um, uh, There's a lot the, of question marks. He he's athletic, and the question is, with his injuries, is he still athletic? You know, oh, yeah. we saw with Tariq Black with Michigan. You know, he was he was a dominant offensive weapon, and then he and then he just kind of tiptoes around because he's not healthy enough. That those are the unanswered questions from Jalen Naylor. Yeah, one one thing that that could be a, a huge get was uh, Jaden Reed. He he was a freshman All American at Western Michigan in 2018. Obviously, sat out last year to transfer to Michigan State. Uh, he had 56 catches in 2018. That could be a massive get for them. In this in this situation, and someone that you don't really know a whole lot about, but there's hope because he's done it at a, at a decently high level, and 
with in the MAC well, in, and at again, Western Michigan. And again, that's the same guy that Peyton Thorne threw to in high school too. So. That was the one you were talking. About? Oh, yeah. sorry, I, Sa- no, I missed same, that. Same high school. No, I, okay. I think it's worth bringing up because he's really talented. He might be that number one, especially with a new quarterback too. They already have the chemistry. Could yeah, and then when he's gonna get reps. Yeah, he's, he's going to. Yeah, he, he's you know going that. to. He he very well could emerge as the number one. I I think by by the end of, by the end of the year. Yeah, what were you um, gonna say? Uh, Matt Dodson. Uh, he's their tight end. He's reliable. 18 catches in eight games last year before injuries. Um, sidelined him. That he's a good safety valve. Yep. I think he he's that guy that you you worry about that could be a mismatch against your 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 defense and. Uh, if he's healthy, he he could very well be that. Um, unless you guys had anything else on the offense side of the ball you want to touch on, we'll we'll touch on defense yeah, before we get defense. into the overall thoughts. Um, the Spartans posted national rankings of of eighteen, seven, and ten uh, the last three years um, under coordinator Mike Tressel. Uh, Tressel is there, but he moved over to the safeties coach. Um, as as I brought up earlier, Scott Scotty Hazelton uh, is is going to be the new defensive coordinator. Uh, from Kansas State. Um, so w- the the first name that came to mind when I wanted to talk about the defense was was Jacob Panasuk. 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 So I, everything that I read, he is opted out, and I haven't been able to find it if he's back in. And I I searched it uh, probably longer than I should have. It, I, I'm not sure he he's there. And I I hope maybe mm. if somebody is is listening that. That can tell me I'm wrong, like great, but I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna basically assume the rest of the way that he's not because everything I hear he's not gonna be there and he was gonna be a massive leader to this to this uh, team. I haven't I haven't seen him in any depth chart, no, until now. But I will say with Michigan State this year, man, it's like radio silence. It is hard to find information, hard. very hard about this team, and I yeah. think it's by design with a new coach and the program where it's at right now, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't heard any news about him playing this year. Yeah, so. As of right now, the updated depth chart as of today, he is not on the depth He's not. chart. Okay. All right, so what, let's talk about who's who we know is going to be there. Um, I, th- I think An- An- Antoine Simmons uh, will be very important to this defense. He is the leader with Panishuk out and is a very versatile linebacker. Uh, he can play anywhere necessary. And, and with junior Noah Harvey coming off of a 49-tackle season, um, I, I think that's a pretty solid tandem there um, at linebacker. I think that yep. could be a bright spot as long as that defensive line does their job first. Um, yeah, let's touch on that. Yeah. So, Naquan Jones. Yeah. What do, what do you got about him? He, he's a returning redshirt senior, and he's he's kind of that leader on their defensive line, and I think everyone's going to expect a lot from him this year. Yeah. Yep. All right, and then uh, we'll talk, touch on the secondary before we get into our, our our overall thoughts of 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 the the Spartans heading into 2020. Uh, last season, Spartans secondary really made it difficult for the rest of the defense, I think, to commit uh, to a t- typical D'Antonio uh, defense. Um, the secondary w- was poor, um, but here here we are. In, in the, I lost where I was at. Sorry. Um, but the but the depth in high end talent doesn't seem to be there is basically where I'm trying to get at, um, and I think that was a, a huge huge issue. Um, Harlan Barnett, uh, he's he was their uh, familiar face coming back. Yeah, he was the secondary coach in 
when, during the what, – what did they call it? The no-fly zone or something like that? When the Spartans were at their yeah. best, basically, their defense was unbelievable. Yeah, they were awesome. And, and, and their secondary was, was so trustworthy – um, that the defense could, or the the defensive line could really go after um, the 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 quarterback. Yeah, that's really what worked out for them when they were at their in their heyday. Um, he's back, which is exciting. But if the talent's not there, what does he have to work with? That that's the question mark. I think Xavier Henderson is ready to contend for for high end um, talent wise, basically uh, Big Ten type, possibly even uh, All American status. Or, sorry, All Conference. Um, but I mean. What else is there? I, I really don't know. I don't see it. It, it, it. It's just a big question. We don't have stats to really look at with these guys. We we have nothing um, other than just hope, I guess, is, well, there, if that's fair. Yeah, and there's no – again, there's no big news coming out of the, the, the university up until this point with this year. They've kept everything really hush-hush on the down low. But you know what? I, I will go back. I agree with you. We don't have – specific key players a lot through the offense or defense to be to be watching here but I think we do have a coaching staff that I I do trust mm-hmm. and I think Mel Tucker was a great fit for this team and I I listened to a, an interview that he did uh, with the press within the last week I think it was maybe even yesterday they were they were talking about how in his practices he's established uh, the rule that if you are not physical you're not playing okay so you don't want to hit you're not playing. That's good. You're yeah. not physical. You don't see the field. And I think that goes along with the tradition that Mark D'Antonio established. That's the perfect message to be sending this team that doesn't have the Kenny Willekes that you're expecting to be, you know, the All-American. You don't have those those guys that are playing for first, second round, you know, draft pick status and their money and everything. So what do they need to do? They need to come together and rally around each other through their coach. And these guys will step up. I don't think Michigan State is – completely depleted of talent i don't think they, they still have athletes yep and if you have the leadership roles on the team for people to step up people will step up and and so i think it's going to be maybe a fun year to watch that you know yeah to, to watch the guys who are going to step up going into the following years yeah i think if you look at the spartans as a whole it is a big wait and see um new head coach generally with new head coaches you get new schemes you get a new defensive scheme you get a new offensive scheme and in this crazy a off-season spring football thing, like their backs are against the wall. This is a very, very tough situation uh, for them. Um, I, I think the talent could be there. I mean, it should be basically based on D'Antonio's track record. It should be plug and play, but you're not necessarily plugging and playing these guys in where you recruited them to do it. You know what I mean? It could be completely different. Everybody's learning these guys um tendencies at what they're good at what they're bad at it's it's very difficult for this coaching staff um and it'll be very interesting to see how they how how they go into this season and what their goals are it is really my what i'm curious of i want to see them taking the next step and and focus on the five-year plan rather than trying to look decent and try to make people happy year one you know what i mean i think that's really important to to trust your plan and not let anybody push you away from it just because it's a crazy offseason and all that stuff so let's get into the players yeah let's do it but but you guys want a great sparty party first yeah i do all right let's great sparty party sure so somebody explain what we're drinking here sparty party uh sparty party is a new england style ipa featuring mandarina bavaria hops and amarillo hops it's a seven percent 
alcohol by volume. And the can's cool. It's green. It is. Green, yeah, green, it's green. a nice looking can for the people. It I'm almost watching. looks like a like a camo. I know it's not it's not camo, but it kind of looks like that. Yeah, right? the different yeah, really color does. greens. Did you get a good taste, Ryan? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you know what did you think? This beer is not. I'm not going to say it's my favorite. I think it's missing something, and I think it's something. It's, it's a fruit. I think it's like not very full. It it's very crisp. If it's like overly hot and your go-to instead of water is beer, then yeah, sure, it'd probably be pretty good. I don't know. There's just something that's not like well-rounded all the way through for me, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just not full. So I'm, I'm going to give it a I'm gonna give it a 7.3. All right. It, it, it's actually pretty good. Like after, after some of the other ones, it's pretty good, but it's just missing that one thing. That's going to be the crazy part about this episode is it's like uh. if we were only drinking – one particular beer, we'd probably give it a little bit higher grade, but it's like we're gonna drink one that we really like. Would we all give eight five? So we just went from an eight five, and it's maybe more like a eight two, but next to the eight five, it's, it's, it's a, a seven, big three. It's a big step back. So you know what I mean. So this it, is gonna be fun. But uh, Micah, do you have your grade for it? Yeah, I I think it's a nice, easy drinking New England. I what did you go with? A seven three. Seven three. Yeah, I gotta go higher. I I think it's better than that. I'm gonna go with a seven nine. I was gonna go with a, a seven seven. I think I did grade this before, I, and I don't remember what I graded it. But seven seven. Did I? I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> I hope so. That'd be awesome <laughs> if I was consistent like that. That'd be something to brag about. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. I'm never that consistent. I think I graded two hearted like opposite sides of the spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> but I was it was vacation, Sam. You so. Kn- Different, different, different guy. You know what I'm catching on some of these cans though? They're they've got an American flag on their cans, and you're just gonna win with me I like when you that. put an American I like flag that. on your can. Heck yeah, America! All right, All right. you convinced me. Eight three, not <laughs> seven three. <laughs> right. <Just kidding. laughs> I did go with a seven seven with the Sparty Party. I'm gonna continue to drink this as we start talking about players. Um, let's start with breakout player. Do you guys, Ryan? Can you start us off? Yeah, breakout player. I'm going with Jaden Reed here. I, I I think the potential is there for him more than any other guy in this offense to establish himself, even though he's not yet established. And I think he could just break out and be the go-to player for the wide receivers, and he could be a big part of quarterback development in this offense. That's a good one, Micah. Jaden Reed also. Really? Yep. All right. Uh I actually went with Elijah Collins, and I, I feel like I kind of cheated because he kind of had his breakout season last year, I think. But I guess I, I looked at it more as of a, a national spectrum. If, if this team can can be, let's say they, they do, let's say they are 500, and Elijah Collins is putting up numbers, I think he could be noticed by uh, more by more more media than than just the Big Ten media. Um, so last year he he had uh, 988 yards and 222 attempts. Uh, I think his attempts, they're not going to go up, obviously, with only eight games. But um, I, I think he's going to get a lot of touches in these eight games, and they're going to they're gonna try to develop him and, and make him something to worry about going into 2021. So I think he could really break out and have a, a really dang good season um, as long as there's other players to worry about uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I also want to bring up Michael Fletcher. He's the redshirt freshman. He, he uh, I think he's a defensive lineman. Yeah, defensive uh, end. He's 6'6", 250 pounds out of Flint, Michigan. And if someone on the defensive side of the ball is going to have a breakout season, it's going to be this guy. So I did want to give him a little bit of a, 
a nod before we, we turn it over to don't forget about player. Ryan? Don't forget about player. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with Jack Camper, defensive end. Um he he's a he's I think he's an underrated defensive end. He's athletic and he's well rounded. I think he he's one of those guys that can stop the run. He he's almost like a Kenny Wilkes. Like he has got a motor that just doesn't stop. And I don't know. I think he's somebody that I don't ever hear about. So if you're talking about yeah. don't forget, that's that's the that's the guy. No, that's a good one. Micah, do you have yeah, one? Yeah, I'm going to go with Naquan Jones. I, I already mentioned him. Uh, he had a breakout season in 2018 with a total tackles number of 26. He had 12 solo, 14 assisted, two sacks, and he had kind of had a down year in 2019. I don't know if he was injured. Um, but don't forget about him. He, he, had, he had seven solo – Tack, solo tackles last year had one sack last year and i think he could really prove to be um that that dominant force that he was in 2018 so yeah i'm gonna go with uh senior uh linebacker antoine simmons I, he led the spartans in tackles last year and should be able to to, to step into the leadership role that this, this defense needs i think he's going to be the heartbeat of the defense i think he could Put up some big numbers. Uh, last year he had 44 solo tackles, 46 assisted for 90 total. Um, tackles for loss, he had 15 of them uh, for 50, negative 57 yards. I think that's pretty sweet. And 3.5 sacks. Uh, I, I think he could be a very big player on this defense. And as long as the people are doing their jobs in front of him, he, he could really capitalize um, and, and really get to the quarterback and, and just be a really good linebacker that I think this defense usually has. So... Uh, rebound player. I, I actually went with Rocky Lombardi. Uh, I just assumed that he was going to get the job, uh, and he and he had a very very poor season last year. I just don't like the way um, he throws. I, I don't either. I, but if they give him this the chance and say he looks good, um, that that's kind of what I'm betting on, if you will. <laughs> say he looks good. Say he looks different than the other years he's played. Well, he played. He looked good in 2018. He actually did. You're right. Um, but last year was really bad. So 2018, he he completed 68 passes in 154 attempts for 738 yards. It was three three touchdowns and three interceptions. But last year uh, was a major step back. It didn't get a whole lot of playing time, but uh, only seven completions and 21 attempts. Uh, zero touchdowns for two interceptions. Again, a very, very small sample size, 74 yards. But if he gets, if 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 he is the guy that gets most of the snaps, this team needs him to be the bounce back player, a rebound player, um, for for this team to have any any sort of uh, success. So that's why I went with him. Uh, where'd you guys go with that one? Rebound. Yeah, Jalen Naylor. I think. You know, last year they there were a lot of high hopes for him. Yeah. He was he was supposed to be the speed, athletic wide receiver on this team to be really well rounded with what they had with White and uh, Stewart Jr. I mean, they were gonna they were they were gonna do big things, and he was the return guy, the big play guy, the speed around the end, the wheel routes, all kinds of crazy different formations, and he got injured what week three four yeah. yeah yeah so i mean it just seems like it just wasn't really fair and with him being the one guy left in this offense with that has been established over the last couple of years i think he's gonna try to be the the number one in this offense yeah he, he only played in four games last year so yeah, yeah you're, you're right on with that what about you uh micah yeah i went with the same thing you did i mean just the obvious rocky lombardi yeah. i mean he r- really 
disappointing season of, of what you saw last year, and I he's got a lot to prove, and I I think he's he's a guy who has had that experience and can prove it. Yeah. So it's a, a prove me season for that guy. All right. Do you guys have a under the radar player you want to bring up? Well, I, actually, I'm going to go first because you, yeah. Ryan, you already brought up Jalen Naylor, so that's who I was going to go with. Uh, I like I said, I personally expected him to 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 have that type of year last year, um, like a, a nice breakout season. Um, but I think he's under the radar because people don't expect a whole lot from him this year. Four games, 15 catches, 106 yards, zero touchdowns last year. Um, he's going to be the leader. I think he needs to be good. His speed and athleticism, like you already brought up, Ryan, um, could be very important to to a young quarterback or a quarterback that is under pressure. Like just so many times, they focus. <laughs> you don't go through progressions. So I think he could um, under the radar type player. Like he he could put up some big numbers just by default in a lot of ways. So uh, do you guys have one of those or no? Yeah, I'm going with Anthony Williams Jr., the backup running back. I think. In a year where we all expect Elijah Collins to be the the bell cow, that means that he's going to get a lot of opportunities and have the ball in his hands a lot, which means more opportunities for injuries. Yeah. So if, if he comes down with an injury, I really think you're going to see the athleticism of this backup running back. He's going to prove himself to be a capable running back in the Big Ten, and I think he's athletic. He's got a quick one-step cut to him. He, he sees holes really well. I think he's going to be pretty good. All right. Micah? I actually went with their other wideout, Trey Mosley. I kind of think the same thing that you guys think of Jalen Naylor, but for Trey Mosley, honestly. I mean, he didn't have flashy numbers, very similar to Jalen Naylor last year, and I, I think he could be really vying for that true number one feel wideout. Yeah. So. All right. And then we'll last we'll we'll talk about a dark horse MVP. Where where did you guys fo- like? It's kind of dark s- horse. Yeah, that's yeah. such a hard one because I mean I I think Elijah Collins is going to be their MVP, but he's not a dark horse MVP, yeah. right? Yep, exactly. Peyton Thorn. Peyton Thorn. Yep. My God. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Well, if, I, if they're good, it's gonna it's gonna be. I went, of him. I went with Noah Kim. <laughs> well, that's really dark Holy horse. Cow. That's really dark horse. That's like number four dark horse. <laughs> I, I I mean he's the. Three-star pro style out of Virginia. Uh, I, did, I highly doubt he walks in and wins the job, but, I mean, let's just say Mel Tucker wants a quarterback that's going to be the future, and he's, like, hitches wagon to him. Yeah, if three people get injured, you're right. <laughs> he might be a dark horse. <laughs> he's probably way, way too much. <laughs> I'm going to go defensive side of the ball. Go with Antoine Simmons, then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he defensive could. No, star. That's, that's a good one. He's a stud. That's a good one. Heck, yeah. Uh, a couple more things that I did want to bring up before we uh, talk about the, the – uh, a little bit more of the, the schedule and all that good stuff. Disappointing, um, right? Luke Fulton and Charles Willekes were arrested last month and have since been suspended indefinitely from the team. I mean, none of these, neither one of these players were brought up even before we even knew about it. This is pretty breaking news. It happened, I think, yesterday or maybe it was Sunday. Um, so it, they, it sucks. You, you hate losing two players, but I don't think either, either one of them were going to be pieces were yeah, they? I don't know I mean Mel Tucker did comment you know they are suspended indefinitely they they had quick action that they took against these players so they did everything the right way yeah. from the coach's point of view I think Charles Will- Willikis is the name here that you're just disappointed in overall because of what the Kenny Willikis yeah you know, what, what he brought yeah exactly yeah the the it just is too bad you know for yeah, the team for sure 
Uh, so let's talk about the the Spartans floor. Um, let's just move move quick through this. I have their their floor basically at two and six. I could see it being uh, one and seven, but I'm going to go two and six because I, I just I, I, the more I looked at this program, I don't think it's as big of a step back as as I originally thought, and I don't want to say wanted it to be because that's not the way I am, but like. The way I originally thought, basically, from from the way D'Antonio screwed them over, um, leaving so late, and the the tough tough stuff in the season, uh, I did, I don't know. I think two is is kind of the floor floor with that. Do you guys agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I actually do. I I see three as win, the floor, like really winnable games, but you can always lose those that you're expecting to win. So two. Yeah, Micah. I, I, I could I could agree and disagree with both of you, honestly. I mean, I could, I could see two, I could see three. Yeah, but their floor. Uh, what's the worst? What's the worst, worst that case you, scenario? you're expecting? Probably two. Two. I, I I don't see an easy three. Yeah. Just a given. And then you, and then you start looking at the ce- the ceiling. So I I look I look at the ceiling as four personally. Four and four is is probably best case scenario for for this team. Yep. Um, you see him beating you, Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern, and then if they can squeak out a win somewhere against Michigan or Iowa or Indiana, that's really what you're looking at, yeah, right? Yeah, that's basically where, where I'm at. Um, I guess I could see five, maybe. Yeah. Um, really, I mean, it depends that's, on quarterback. That's a very, very high expectations, I guess. Yeah, um, I'm thinking I'm thinking of ceiling four and four as well. Four I mean, and four. Let's be realistic. And then uh, what, what are your predictions, Micah? Uh, I'm gonna go three and five. Three and five. Yep. Same. Three and five. Yeah, I went three and five as well. Uh, I have them beating Rutgers, Maryland, and Northwestern. Is the way I I roll. I'd love it. for them to go at at Iowa and win that game. <laughs> it would be nice, right? Yeah, that would that would feel like a Michigan State win. Yep. So their over under is actually set at three and a half wins. Um. So I mean, it's really right right around where we're we're floating. I I don't see them going over that. But we're also not talking about the last crossover game, which Vegas takes into account with with their over under. So, uh, you never really know. But I think we're pretty much right on with with Vegas. Um. I do want to talk a little bit about the Rutgers game. Jump in if you guys want. But otherwise, I'm just gonna kind of throw my points out there and, and move on. Um. I I just think it's a really perfect game for Mel Tucker's first game here. Uh, in 2020, uh, if there's another Big Ten school that that knows what MSU is going through, it is Rutgers. They have the new coach with Greg Schiano, uh, in the questions of schemes, who's going to be under center, um, new offense, new defense, new just new everything. Um, they're facing those those same questions. Um, I assume Michigan State has has a better overall talent pool that they're working with, um, so I would assume that they're going to be okay. Um, in this type of game, but Greg Schiano is also he has a pretty dang good resume. Um, it's not beautiful, it's not spot, it's not squeaky clean by any means, but um, he he's been on some very successful teams. So uh, if he he has a probably higher end, um, higher ceiling, I guess if you're comparing the two coaches. But we're talking about today, uh, what we're gonna see on Saturday. Um, I just I, I I think Michigan State should win this game, and will win this game. But I'm not sure how how exactly if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. It's so hard to like find the 
I mean, we're, it's not only week one. It, there's so many question marks with these with both these teams. You have no idea how to really truly evaluate it. So no, it, it's, it's so hard. To. It's going to be really interesting. I think by the end of Saturday, we'll know a lot about the Big Ten teams. Um, but right now, it's it's a wait and see, especially for the teams with new with new head coaches, new coordinators. Yeah, you evaluate with the play of the quarterback, and that's what we're watching for MSU right now. All right, let's get into some Michigan. They are coming off nine and four, 2019 record, uh, where they finished 18th in the rankings. Uh, the young defense, uh, defense, had, defense. Yep, <laughs> had the sixth best uh, defense in yards per game, uh, fifth in passing yards allowed per game, 23rd in rush defense, thanks to. Uh, was it Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, he was on that kill list. Yep. Well, just Wisconsin in general. And Ohio State. Yeah. And 18th in pass defense. Uh, however, the first uh, season of speed in space was disappointing, where, where Michigan's offense uh, ranked in the middle of the pack, uh, basically in, in every single category. Uh, I, I think we should start on the defensive side of the ball. It was a big question mark after uh, part two of the OSU debacle. Uh, if Don Brown was going to get another shot as the defensive coordinator for for Michigan, uh, but here we are. He's heading into his fourth season uh, as the D coordinator, and and this could be a a nice bounce back season for the defense. And I think it starts up front with with the defensive lineman, uh, senior Quiddy Pay, and junior Aiden Hutchinson on the ends. I think really the, like those guys are going to be the focal point of the defense, and they could have really, really big seasons. Where, where, where do you guys think about the defensive line as a whole, um, but more more or less like the high-end talent that we have with these two guys? Uh, I disagreed with him off-air a couple days ago about Carlo Kemp. I, 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 I'm not going to speak for him, but I think he likes Carlo Kemp a bit more than I do. I don't see a whole lot of Carlo Kemp, but the defensive ends are absolutely exciting. Quiddy Pay is is a nightmare. And same with same with Aiden Hutchinson. This yeah. is just this is Winovich and Gary two point I mean, they're talking about these guys in the first and second round of the yeah. NFL draft, so yep. it's well deserved praise that they're getting. Yes. And it's well deserved upside too that we can look forward to for this season. And I don't I don't think you should Sleep on Chris Hinton. He's a, a former five-star recruit. At the time that the season started, it was four-star, yeah, but he still has really high upside. He's very Correct. athletic. I, I agree tackle. with you 100%. Yeah. And, and these guys were young last year. They've had a whole year and a half. to get and a half <laughs> to get bigger and bigger and bigger and just work on their athleticism, their power, their strength. And, and instead of being the young guys out there against the older old men on the other side, the tables have turned. You know, so I'm expecting big things from this defensive line. Yeah, and you brought up uh, Carlo Kemp. I, I think he was a, he was a lot more banged up than I think he's people good. I don't last care what Micah says. He's um, good. <laughs> I, I hope he is. Yeah, same. We we need him to be. Yep. Um, but I, I just think the interior guys they they need to prove themselves, and, and I think they're ready to as well. Um, it, it, that's going to be more like a they're they're fighting for position. They're fighting for the job. The ends are taken care of. And really, I mean, whoever wins these jobs in the in interior uh, D line, I think are going to be good because you have a lot of talent to 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 work with. Ryan, you brought up uh, Chris Hinton and four star uh, Mozzie Smith. I mean, those guys probably are are, are in the running to to be the leaders of that. Right? They'll get time, yeah. They'll get time. 
Um, but just, I mean, it, it, they are deep in that in, in in the trenches. I think on the defensive side of the ball, I, I, uh, it'll be interesting to see if if Luigi uh, Villain also gets time, and he he's a guy that is very very athletic, but he's been hurt for like three straight years. And it's been too bad, but he's got a pretty good story. He's worked really hard to get back. And if one of these defensive linemen go- goes down, I don't want them to. I don't. Think, yeah. I don't I'm not yeah. saying it's going to happen, but if it does, this is another one of those guys that could come in and be an athletic replacement for for the top guys. Yeah, I, I think Julius Welshoff. Welshoff is that how you say it, Micah? Can you help me with that one? Welshoff. Um, uh, I've heard really good things from him or, or about him. Uh, from what I've read, that Don Brown is speaking very highly of him, which is, is exciting as well. I don't think he's going to be a starter right away, but I think like when if and when somebody goes down, because somebody's going to go down, it happens. Um, even with COVID, let's say that happens, like you got to have depth, and I think we have it. And hopefully, guys like that get their chance and and, and are good. So uh, I, I'm comfortable with where the defensive line is going to be because they were young last year, they were solid last year. They're only going to get better. Yeah, run defense. That's a big key in That's this. That's a massive key. Um, like, like, like we talked about earlier with, with uh, was it the Lions? Yeah, like yeah. just in general. The run defense needs to be the first thing. When you stop the run defense, that opens up the, the pass rush. So – I think that that's really that's going to be where you want to see the most improvement, so you can improve everywhere else. You know what I mean? Um, linebackers, Mike, where are you feeling about the linebackers for for Michigan? I think everyone should be excited. To be honest, you got Cam McGrone back. He's huge. Josh Ross back. Yeah. Jo- Josh Ross. He has been. He's been difficult for me to 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 give him all this love because Cam McGrone's been so good. I think Cam McGrone has taken some of that linebacker spotlight from Josh Ross, unfortunately. But I think Josh Ross is still a freak athlete at linebacker. I mean, he's fast. He is fast. He yes. ran like a four-five. So do you think 40. they'll they'll move him more to an outside outside linebacker role? It's hard to say because Don Brown likes to shift guys because his guys are so athletic and so versatile. I I don't know what they're gonna do, but. I think he's going to be on that weak side linebacker area, okay. and it. Yeah, he's going to have Cam McGrone as the the typical middle linebacker in this defense. He's yep. he earned it last year. He came in when Josh Ross got injured, and he was a star from the beginning. But I also think Josh Ross is going. This is his better position yep. where he can use his athleticism to run around the field a little bit more instead of being that middle. A uh, guy who who plugs the holes, you know that's not that's not what Josh Ross does. He runs over the field, runs around the field too much. Yeah. That. So the the Wolverines defense relies heavily on the Viper position. Uh, was a uh, so it went from Jabril Peppers, right? He he was kind of in that role. Cleek Hudson, who who's going to replace him in that position? It, it, I'm assuming they're still going to stick with that type of feel. Micah, do you have anybody in particular that you think can fit that role and and kind of be the playmaker uh, uh, on the defensive side in, in that way? Yeah, that's actually redshirt sophomore Michael Barrett. Okay. So it, it it's kind of coming down to him and Anthony Solomon, and right now on the depth chart they've got Michael Barrett listed as the starter. Um, I I got to be honest, I haven't – looked at that position specifically to see if they've actually named him the starter. I haven't okay. seen anything lately. Yeah. So it, 
I think they're still battling it out, but I think it's going to be Michael Barrett's job to be honest. And okay. um, they're both they're both very talented. They, they are very talented. Uh, I think Michael Barrett would probably be the pick just due to experience in Don Brown's system. So right now, it looks like Michael Barrett's job. Yeah. Uh, so then we'll move down to. I mean, Embry Thomas. He returns after a solid 2019 campaign. Uh, Vincent Gray. No, no, hold on. Sorry, what? Ambry Thomas is he opted gone? out for the oh, year. Oh, he did. Uh, oh, this is one of these. Uh, you, this, you get, yeah. I got my information from February. Yeah. Shoot, so, Ambry Thomas. This he, sucks because right, he, he's a stud. He is going to be an NFL cornerback. He would have been great, but he opted out, so we're that going sucks. without Okay, him. so where are we at? So, we got Vincent Gray, DJ Turner, John yes. Green. Uh, Vincent, th- they're Vincent all gonna Gray. Be, I mean, Vincent Gray and DJ Turner are the top two corners okay. yep. right now. And DJ Turner, that's a redshirt freshman. So, yep. That I mean, yeah. I, I think he's good. What we saw from him last year was very, very impressive. Yeah. We know we know Vincent Gray is really good. I was going to say, he's you guys stud. remember watching Vincent Gray? Oh, yeah. he, is a, he is very good. He's yeah. great. He's great. Yeah, yep. he's the next great Michigan cornerback. But I okay. also – He's that ball hawk mentality. He right. really is, and then we got DJ Turner, who, who's good. But I think the the key with the secondary are are the safe is the safety tandem as well. You got Brad Hawkins and obviously Daxon Hill. The safeties make corners look a lot better than they are, yeah. as well. Yep. Um, and I think we have safeties that that can do that. Um, obviously Daxon Hill is a playmaker and something to get excited about. Um, but I mean, I think secondary wise, that there is questions. There are questions. They're young. Yep. They're young. Really young. Very, very talented. I mean, we got backups like Jamon Green, who is a stud. He's really good. He's got a lot of potential. He's a redshirt sophomore. Yep. But he's a backup, and he's a backup for multiple positions. We've got Jalen Perry, who's a redshirt freshman, who's again very, very good. He's athletic. These guys are. These guys, if if they had maybe one more year to be the the stud, so next year these guys they're going to be a great crop of defensive backs. You you might actually see Gamon Green actually get I, playing time. I agree. I think he not. might. I think he might win some job. I don't know which one, but he's going to win yeah. one of them. But but as far as the safeties go, uh, Brad Hawkins he's been there for a while. He's a senior right now, and they they say he's playing the best ball of his life. I mean, his teammates and I think it's just teammate talk. Yeah. But you've got Daxton Hill on the other side. It's true speed, true athleticism, and I think right now it, it's actually going to be a better tandem than what people are kind of expecting. Okay. I mean, could they get torn up? I don't know. We'll see because we're going to go up against Rashad Bateman week one, so yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we get to the offensive side of the ball, I, I do want to say, like, all right, right now the three of us, we are Michigan fans. We say we – we that's just who we are. We're not going to apologize for it. <laughs> but I do want you to know nope. we we research a crap ton to get into the the Spartans, and and we're we're not dogging on them. We're not trying to you know go six to midnight just talking about our Michigan team because it just happens be, naturally. It just happens naturally. And <laughs> but it's but it's also like it, it's it's rightfully so at this point with where these two programs are at. We have we can talk a little bit high about Michigan. And we can talk about Michigan State as a massive question mark. That's just the way it is. When Michigan State's good, we're gonna give them the credit that they deserve. Um, and but we research a crap ton to get to get some information out there. So I do want you guys to know that. And I'm not gonna change who I am. I'm not gonna say 
Michigan instead of we because I'm a Michigan fan, and I don't expect that for you guys, and I'm okay with it. I just wanted to throw that out there before we move on to the offense. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, well said. Well, Look, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am a fan of whoever is going to be the best. I want I want the state of Michigan to be represented well. You're, you're a fan of athleticism. You and, are a big fan of greatness and athleticism. Yes, 100%. <laughs> in the state of Michigan. And, and that's, that's <laughs> yeah. appreciative. All right, so let's talk about the offense. Now that I got that off my chest, uh, the Green, they're, they're, uh, Green Bay. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this I don't beer's know. hitting me Jeez. hard, boys. This beer's hitting Whoa. me hard. All right. It all starts in the quarterback position, right? Uh, the offense will be will only be as good as Joe Milton uh, allows them to be. Uh, we do not really have enough of a sample size to really know what he's going to be. Obviously, you get what people are saying, and he can throw 70 yards from his knees and all that, all that good stuff. That, that's fun to talk about, um, but we don't have the numbers uh, for him. But what I did want to bring up were the numbers that he's replacing. So I want to bring up Shea Patterson's numbers in 2019. Uh, he, he was uh, 56.2% uh, Percentage com- completion percentage over 3,000 yards, uh, eight yards per attempt, uh, 23 touchdowns to eight interceptions w- with a 139.4 average. I think I look at that and I'm like, that is a winning quarterback. Like I look at those numbers alone and I'm like, that that's a those are good numbers. Like right. I would take that for the most part. But I think as Michigan fans, as people that watch the Big Ten. You know he was not that good, and he left a lot more out there. He wasn't accurate. He wasn't aggressive. He wasn't. He wasn't what you need to to go into Penn State and win, and go into Ohio State and keep it close and fight back against Wisconsin when they go up twenty-one nothing against you. We he was far from that, and I think the numbers tell you one thing, but the eye test tells you a completely other thing. That's exactly where I was going because his numbers don't line up with the eye test at all. Yeah, like when when he was good, he was good, but it was it seemed so rare last year. And then when he was bad, my goodness, he was bad. Yeah, there's so many missed throws, overthrown. It, it it was not a good look. And when you look at his numbers, you go. Those numbers are really similar to a Kyle Trask from Florida this year. <laughs> yeah, and fighting words. It, what? No, just, I love. I'm so glad you said it. Yeah. <laughs> so Heisman, right? But the the numbers just don't match up with the eye test. Yeah. That's all I was getting at. Yep. Yeah, one. Well, so, and you look at the the out of all the stats you brought up, fifty six point two percent passing. That is that's the problem. That's the eyesore. Yeah, and that the reason he wasn't in any conversations at all for being a good quarterback actually by the end of his career is because of that accuracy. Yeah. And anytime they needed the big play, he would drive the the Wolverines down the field and they get anywhere close to start you know scoring and he starts missing guys. Yeah, yep. he wasn't he wide wasn't open receivers. Enough. So it's not like he was trying to be the Matthew Stafford and put a needle in the haystack kind of, you know, accuracy. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about hitting an open wide receiver <laughs> crossing the field and yep. he couldn't do it on a regular basis. Yep. And and look, I, I I don't want to get on that train of overhyping Milton just because of what we're hearing. <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see it to, to believe it. That, that, I want to that, see it, but I, but I believe it. But I, yeah, go for, go for uh, it. You know, what excites me about Joe Milton is, one, he has been here from the beginning. He was recruited uh, by Harbaugh to come into Michigan, and he has been through this program, and he's earned his spot. He's not a transfer that's coming in and being told that he's a, a week one starter. 
He's the guy who had to beat the returning, you know, expected McCaffrey. starter McCaffrey. Yeah. He had he had to win that job, and yep. so by him winning that job, it's establishing to him that he's ready for this. That he's got the confidence lined up, ready to go for this season. He's also got the confidence of all of his teammates that watched him win this job against a, a big name, you know, opposing quarterback. Yeah. So I, I'm excited because I think that whatever allowed him to win this job, it's not just arm strength. You know, that wouldn't have just won him the job. That's what we hear a lot, and that that would actually make me nervous. But it, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be the the. I don't know the overall awareness or just the ability to to Feel get your team QBIQ. Yeah, and, he and, seems and like to a be a leader, guy. to be a leader, and that's yep. what I think is the benefit of having somebody homegrown within your system is they're generally going to be a leader in the trust of the teammates. Yeah, I think that, that that's a really good point. Um, but it is a big wait and see because unless he's in the, in those game moments, you you never really know. Um, but we will talk about a couple things that we do know. The the running backs, uh, junior Hassan Haskin and true sophomore Zach Charbonnet are coming back. Uh, I, I think those two alone are are exciting. But then you talk about Chris Evans and Christian Turner returning. Uh, Christian Turner is still is he still coming back or yeah he is he, he so, opted back in okay so you have four guys that you trust that you know can do the job I'm mostly excited about Haskins personally but I love Charbonnet as well like it, it is really hard to pick out of those two because I like what both of them do I'm, I'm curious which one you guys like more um, and and I mean really just the running game in general it, it should be pretty solid something that you can trust. Micah? I, I think Charbon. Oh, go ahead. Or, no, sorry. <laughs> you go looked at it. me. I thought, you, you looked at me, and I thought uh, you were. Going, I thought sorry, you. Were I think. I think Ryan and I are headed down the same path. But go for it. Well, I think there's two different, two different models here. You have your Charbonnet, which is the most dependable running back for a system, and is great for a system. And he had the touchdowns. He broke it when he needed needed to, and he got three yards when he needed to. And then you get Haskins, which is that like raw kind of shifty. I don't even know how he squeaked through that whole type of runner, and that, it does make me excited. I, yeah. I think I actually think Haskins has the higher upside okay. out of the two, um, just from pure athleticism. But you guys just said I love athleticism, so I think if Charbonnet was a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, he's got the power. He's a beast. Uh, if he, if he had a little bit more, then I'd be a little more excited. If he shows me something else, then I don't know. So, so be it. It'd so be based great. on what what we saw last year, they both played thirteen games. Uh, Charbonnet, he was a he was a true freshman. One hundred forty nine attempts, seven hundred twenty six yards, eleven touchdowns. Uh, but then Hassan or Hassan Haskins, uh, now a junior, but last year was a sophomore, one hundred twenty one. So it uh, carries to six hundred twenty two yards. It seems like Charbonnet is more of the focal point, even though like. I think we all kind of like Haskins more, but it seems like they're I think trying Micah to make Charbonnet more. You like Charbonnet? Love- yeah, hands down. You like Charbonnet better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. If, if you watch I mean, him. 11 if, touchdowns if you make you go six he, to midnight, I'll tell you that right if now. If you watch the way he runs, <laughs> too, he just, when he stiff arms somebody, he's not trying to just push him away. He tries to shove him into the ground, and it's, it he, is fun to watch. He is fast, and he is very powerful. Yeah, so uh, Chris Evans coming back and Christian Turner, obviously – they they don't bring a whole lot more than what Haskins Charbonnet can bring. I think if you consider those two the two headed monster, yep. um, Chris Evans, I think you can find a, a, a place with for his speed. 
Um, but I'm not really sure where Christian Turner fits in. But he's another returning guy that if somebody goes down, someone that you can trust. Um, but I think Christian Turner is that guy who's going to transfer after this year because Blake Corm's coming up behind him. He's Corm's gonna, good. Corm's going to take over his job. Chris Evans is going to be gone. Blake Corm might take over one of these two guys' positions next year, to be honest. All right. So the the running game is only as good as the offensive line allows them to be in in the big in Big Ten football. Um, four out of the five starters have have departed, uh, with only right tackle Jalen Mayfield returning. Uh, I expect to see players such as Andrew Stuber, uh, who missed a lot to to due to injury last year. He uh, he won the tackle job last year going okay. into the season, and then he got injured. Okay, so so, so he, he is talented. He's very okay. very talented. No, that's good to know. And, uh, he, and they moved him to guard this year, so they're playing a little so bit. So where was he last year? Last year he would have been right tackle. Right tackle. And this year oh, he's really? playing right okay. guard. Yeah. All right. So then you got uh, Ryan Hayes, uh, Zach Carpenter, uh, Chuck Feliga. Filiaga. Filiaga. Joel. All right, Mike, just take over, buddy. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why I even try. Because you hear the names. I just read them. <laughs> I, I do follow the guys. I mean, I remember yeah, Chuck no, Filiaga you're, you're, being recruited. He's, he's he's one of the biggest dudes you'd ever seen. He's huge. So he's, is, is he going to be the right tackle? Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah. I think the offensive line is basically set. I've got the note on my phone, and the phone is up there recording us. Oh, dang it. But. Uh, Chuck, <laughs> Chuck Filiaga, he's 6'6", 345, an offensive guard. He, the dude is absolutely huge. Basically, we and, have two tackles playing guards right now. So we're young, yeah. but we're deep. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Yep. So uh, what you were mentioning, I think that's the correct lineup right there from what I saw earlier was Ryan Hayes, Chuck Filiaga, Zach Carpenter at uh, center, and then uh, Andrew Stuber and Jalen Mayfield back okay. from opting in oh, okay. so i i think Great. i right. think that's the right lineup that, that i saw earlier um but then i think Vistardis uh was in there also he he's kind of he's kind of be uh he's up there behind uh zach carpenter and nolan rumler also was up there so do you think the the four out of five of the offense alignment being gone is a little overrated of a a worry is that is that fair to to say? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, but because of coaching though. So Ed Warner, he he got he got that offensive line together really quick. I'm talking a couple years ago when he came in. Okay, and he's he's actually been doing a really good job. You look at the draft picks. You look at Cesar Ruiz who came in. For, he's a first round guy, right? First or second yeah, round? Yeah, first round. First, he was first round. First round yeah. guy. Saints, right? He's he's been doing a really good job with these guys and getting these guys to work together really well. Footwork's coming along really, really well. They do they do a really good job working together. So um I, I think that's all due to coaching, to be honest. Yeah. Uh so let's talk uh, touch on wide receivers and then I want to grade uh Hayes and Blue. You guys you guys good with that? Yeah. All right, perfect. So let's talk about that. Uh, with Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Tariq Black uh, all gone, they're three of the top four receivers in most categories. 96 receptions, which was 42%. 14 touchdowns, which was 56%. 1,490 yards, 46% of the team totals. All gone. Uh, junior Ronnie Bell is is the only guy coming back um that that really would put up numbers last year. I think he was the leading receiver in in both uh was it catches with 48 
and yards with 758. Uh, but he only had one touchdown, and, and that's really the focus to me here is is who is going to be that uh, that guy we can get a touchdown out of. Um, I, I think uh, Ronnie Bell he, he's going to be the he's going to need to be the leader um, among the young the among the the young wide receivers. I, I mean, there, there's sophomore Giles Jackson, uh, Cornelius Johnson, and Mike Senstrill. Um, but then there's also a freshman, A.J. Henning. Are, are there names that I'm missing here that you think will get legitimate playing time that could be a piece uh, going into this season? Uh, <clears throat> Roman Wilson, I don't think he'll be a big piece, but he'll get playing time. Okay. He's a guy out of Hawaii. Um, he's he's another speed guy. They recruited a lot of speed. So I, I think as far as depth goes, uh, that's that's great. But for the starters – I don't think there's any anyone else besides Sanderstill, Johnson, and and Ronnie Bell. I mean, I think AJ Henning's going to get the most time as far as a depth guy yeah, goes. He'll get, he'll get some time, yeah. So, um, those are your three main guys. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on the on the wide receiver depth or, or any of these guys in general? I think you're going to see Cornelius Johnson come out as a as a really good wide receiver, just a, a really balanced wide receiver. He's got a he's got the wide receiver body. He's okay. taller, slim. He's he's the opposite of a Sanderson and a Jackson. So, so is, is he going to be the Nico Collins replacement type I, player? I think he has to be. Could be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where I mean, l- 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 as much as people like to joke about the I, speed I like and space and all that goofy like the sayings and the the yeah. shirts or whatever you want to call, but it's like we're going for a different type of wide receivers. So we lost a lot, but we're transitioning to the the, the type that fits, you know, uh, sorry, his, his name escapes me, the offensive coordinator, uh, uh, Holy Smokes. Help me out, Micah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is this is bad. What is the offensive coordinator's name? <laughs> so much beer. I'm going to have to. So much beer. I'm going to have to save you guys here. No, I don't have anything. <laughs> What is his name? Josh Gaddis. Thank you. All right, yeah, Ooh, Josh Gaddis. We took got me a minute. There. Sorry, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna move <laughs> on until we got it. <laughs> Usually, I'm just like, we'll figure it out later. Just, we never do. I was just soaking in the awkwardness. I was just <laughs> yeah, right? living in it. <laughs> uh, so, so we lost a lot. We lost a lot of the production. We lost a lot of um, the, the the big names, the the really high high end recruits um, that never really produced with Shea Patterson. Yep. So. Are we? We're not screwed in that position. That that that's actually probably one of our more deep deep positions that we have on the offensive side of the. It say that, but I, I like our running back core as well. But like high end talent, like it win the job basically, and and we're gonna get some some really good wide receivers out of this. It, it is a question yep. mark. I'm not gonna. I don't want to just act like this is all figured out and, and we're completely solid. Losing Nico Collins is a big deal. But we do have guys that have experience playing in big games that are going to be on the field. And I think all three of these guys that we mentioned, and that's not even including Ronnie Bell, but just the three young guys, Johnson, Jackson, and uh, whoever, Sanderson. Sanderson. Those three guys are are going to be – they're good enough. I I think they're really, really capable of – Taking over the two and three job in this offense. Yeah. Yep. So so we have we have people to take over the the, the jobs that we really need. Someone to Jackson's take over fast at. man. He's he's gonna be really yeah. good. Yeah. All but. right. So so let's quickly uh, grade Haze and Blue again. It is their New England IPA, uh, brewed with loads of juicy citra and mosaic hops. It's just like their classic Lake Haze, and then brewed with real blueberries. 
I've graded this before. I don't remember what I gave it, but I'm just going to throw it out an 8-4 right now. I'm just, uh, yeah. It's good. Yeah, sounds about right. Very nice. I'm going to go with an 8-2, actually. I I like I like the the taste of it. The mouth feels really good. Uh, easy to drink. A lot easier to drink than Sparty Party, in my opinion. I agree. I think the as soon as this goes in your mouth, it's it, you can f- taste the difference. There's a fullness to it that is missing. And that is the it's missing the blueberries. Link. The yeah, blueberries it, it might be. And that's what Sparty Party's missing is is a fruit to just to balance the yeah. whole thing to make it the the well rounded beer. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give this a good grade too. I'm gonna go eight three. Eight three. Yep. Nice. Big fan of this. Yeah, that, I, I really like like that beer a lot. We got how many more to go? We got Deer Beer. We got Big Lake Camper. Oh boy. We got Swing Juice. We got Superior Haze. We might have to do this offline. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Let's get into some players, and we'll, maybe we can get into another beer here before we, we end up the Michigan talk. So Maybe. All right. Breakout player. I, I went with Giles Jackson. Uh, only nine receptions last year for 142 yards uh, last season. But if speed and space works – for this offense, I think it'll be a massive step up for this guy alone. Like I think he speed and space is Giles Jackson, um, perfect because you have other guys that people are going to be focusing on, and he's going to be the guy that cleans up the the money in 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 the stats. So love it. I'm I'm going you defensive sign of the ball. All right, Dax Hill, baby. I, I like that Dak, one. Dax I like that Hill. one. He, I, I I don't think that's a bad one. That's he, for sure. I wouldn't say he had a bad year but for all the hype that he brought i would have thought he would have had a better year and for that simple reason i I, he's he's my breakout player he's he's got to have a better year he's got so much speed a ton of a ton of athleticism and he is going to have a breakout year. Well, and you hear the coaches talk about him they they harbaugh straight up says that he's the most talented guy on the field yeah, and that's that's just awesome to hear that he's gonna give him the freedom to go out there. I I keep thinking about like Jerry Judy just running away for <laughs> the long touchdown last year yeah. against Dax Hill. Yeah, but but that's a true freshman against one of the best wide receivers in college football. <laughs> right, you know, and, yeah. and he's I'm excited to see his progression from that up and down freshman year. I mean, it it is what it is. It was an yeah. up and down freshman year. Yeah. It is kind of funny that you mentioned that. It's basically a high schooler versus an NFL player. Right. Like, <laughs> They're both one year removed from yeah. each. <laughs> right. <laughs> pad, pad the expectations. All right. It's all yeah. good. So, Ryan, did you say who your breakout player was? Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's kind of a toss up between Cornelius Johnson, wide receiver, but instead I'm going to go with DJ Turner. Okay. I just I just really liked this is all eye test. This isn't something that I've like researched a whole bunch, but I just remember watching DJ Turner last year and being so impressed with the way he moves and the way he sticks to wide receivers. He he's he can be aggressive without getting beat. And I think that's a trait that is not common, especially in college football. And that I've seen that before with the the you know, the Michigan cornerbacks that have just come year in year out that end up being like a stud cornerback i think he's on the same track all right uh so let's move over to the don't forget about player and i guess i, I just looked at daxon hill a little differently uh sure. I, I think that for the for the hype coming into 2019 it, his non-explosive is the word that i used uh season in in 2019 is kind of quieted the hype train just a little bit um for, for at least nationally i think 
but, but keep in mind, he was a true freshman getting a decent amount of playing time and, and showed pretty well. I expect him to take a massive step forward, and he, he's going to be an absolute stud. And I, I'm very, very excited about what he's he could be in that safety position. He's going to be all over the field defensively. So that, I, I just don't want people to forget about him. And, and it might not be a fair one, but that's just where I that's where I went. So what about you? Uh, I went with Josh Ross. I, I think that's we're gonna. One. I think we're probably gonna say a lot of the same names in different <laughs> yeah, categories. Right. But I I do feel like people forget about him. I mean he he's just kind of quiet. As far as his play goes, I mean, he's he's not that Devin Bush player that we all want him to be, at yeah. least not yet. Yeah. And, I, of course, I'm hoping for that this year. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he only had 18 tackles last year, and for some maybe that's a good number, but that's, that's not good enough for me. And uh, I, I think he's one of those don't-forget-about players. Yeah. So. Right. I'm going with something a little different different in my own mind because I keep forgetting about this guy. So this is more of a reminder for me to not forget about Ronnie Bell. Every time I bring up this offense, I'll say like, I'll for, list yeah. like the three wide receivers and then you, you know, you two are here well, to be Ronnie like Bell. What, what, Ronnie Bell. Oh yeah. The number one, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's underrated. And he's I think so he's, he's going to have a, a huge, obviously he's going to have a huge role in this offense. So it'll be good to see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so rebound player is, is where I went with, with Josh Ross. I, I think, you kind of already already explained it. Um, only four games last year, 18 tackles. Uh, zero tackles for loss. Um, I, th- I think he'll be a part of a significantly improved linebacking core here um, right, right next to Cam McGrone. Uh, he's not necessarily going to be the guy in, 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 this, in that, what is that? It's not the middle, I guess. Is that the right word? So it's not secondary. What do you call the linebackers? What, the linebackers? Yeah. Well, he's going to be their usually. weak side linebacker. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, he, he's not going to be the guy. The will, sorry. He's not going to be the guy for, out of the linebacker core anymore, but he's going to be very, very good, in, in my opinion. He's so, going to have more freedom, um, right? I, I think coming back from the injuries that he that he faced, and, I mean, he, he was supposed to be the – he's a senior, so this is his chance to, to really boost his, his draft stock here. Um, and I, I think he's going to have a really nice rebound season. Um, do you, where are you guys going with this one? Go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> for for rebound player? Yeah. Oh, geez. So, I don't know how to – I don't know how you'd go with somebody other than Josh Ross on this. But, right. Because rebound, I'm looking at – like everybody else with the breakout, this is their opportunity to shine. And I'm not going to go Dax Hill. I'm not going to go, I don't know, like Sanders still or something because I think he's going to break out because they didn't do poorly. They just didn't get the opportunity. So yep. I think I'm going to go with Josh Ross as well. Yeah. He's a for, – Forget it. Yeah, it's easy to forget <laughs> about at this point, and yeah. I think he's going to rebound to be. He fits very, really good in both categories. Yeah, very, very important to this defense. Who, who do you got there, Micah? I'm sticking Josh Ross there as well. Nice. Okay, yep. so we can move down to let's do under the radar. Um, I went with Chris Hinton, uh, who got very little playing time as a true freshman, but I, I, I think will be a stud on the defensive line. He's six four, three hundred five pounds. And was a five star out of Atlanta. Uh, he was the 31st nationally ranked player in 2019, fourth defensive tackle, and seventh overall out of Georgia recruit. I, I, I think he could be a very, very good player for the, the the run defense, and then he could also get some get some pressure from from that interior uh, defensive lineman position. So that's where I went with with under the radar. Um, where are you guys rolling with this one? I think that's a great pick. 
Thank you. But then there's we should just end it there's right also there. <laughs> uh, there's also Jermon Green, who I think is a <laughs> <Right>? great pick. <laughs> Same thing. I, I think Anthony Solomon's a great pick for this for under the radar. But yeah. I'm go- I'm going to go with Julius Welshoff, and he is filling the role of defensive end, who is very spe- specifically on the field to sack the quarterback in third down situations. Okay, and so he's fulfilling the role that um, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the last last year's second round pick. In the NFL draft, oh my gosh, he, he was Josh all, Uche. Yeah, Josh Uche, thank yeah, you very much. Right. Josh Uche filled that role when when they needed pressure, he was there to do it, and that's 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 what this guy's going to bring. Julius Welshoff, he's going to be the the specialty, um, what do you call it? Pass rusher, especially pass rusher. Yeah, there you go. That's all I have. I'm going to go with Andre Selden, true freshman. Um, he's going to be in the backfield. He, it's just based on me reading and watching very little highlights. I'm sorry. I missed who you said. Andre Selden. Okay. All right. So he, he's a recruit, uh, out of, uh, East side of Michigan, I believe. And, uh, he's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of talent. Uh, he's a very athletic guy. He's going to be in that nickel back position that nickelback position back okay. there. Um, and there, there's been a lot of talk with him taking up that that spot back there, and it's just me reading what I've read from little reports. I don't have a whole lot to go off of because he hasn't played a game. So I, I think that's that's who I'm sticking in that position. So. All right, real, real quick, Dark Horse MVP, I went with Daxon Hill. For all the reasons that you guys already brought up about him yep. uh, in, in the category you brought up, do you guys have somebody else that, that you think fits that mold? Yeah, Zach Charbonnet. That's a good one. Yep. Dark Horse, I'm going Quiddy Pay. Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> There's, uh, now people no are really going to start questioning our, our I, I will throw out, I will throw this out there, though. <laughs> kick return, second on the depth chart for kick returners, Michael Barrett, who is mm. the First in line for the Viper position. So it just shows to his athleticism. All right. Nice. All right. Nice. So I want to talk floor, floor, ceiling, predictions. So for me, I have a four and four floor. I, I think it is the schedule's tough enough that I mean you could see them going four and four. Uh I think Minnesota's gonna be tough. I think Wisconsin could be tough. Penn State and obviously Ohio State. Um how many was that? Ohio State, Penn State. <laughs> Wisconsin, Minnesota. I think those are all losable games if Joe Milton is not good enough. Um, I'm curious where you guys think the floor is kind of set with Michigan. Yep, four and four, four also four is a fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair choice there. Yeah, I would agree. But then the ceiling, so. you you look at it is, is seven and one for me at least. It's like I look at you can beat you can beat you have so many coin flip games here. Other right. than Ohio State, I think is is a loss. So that's why I went seven and one as as kind of the ceiling. Obviously, Joe as Milton mis- has to be a Heisman winner to beat Ohio <laughs> State at this point. Yeah, yep. at this point, he has to be. So it, I think that's kind of a fair fair place to go. Yeah. yeah. All yep. right. So then, what are your guys' predictions, Micah? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go seven and one. I, I think they're gonna take care of Minnesota this weekend. Maybe by the skin of their teeth. Yeah. But I, I think if they can get past Minnesota, um, they can they can roll pretty good. 
and have good momentum going into that Wisconsin game and then continue on to Ohio State and hopefully not crap the bed. So, All right, Ryan, what about you? This is so hard because Joe Milton, if he if he's average, if he's the quarterback of last year, I think Michigan's going 5-3. and three. I think he's better than that, though. Okay. So I, I'm going to go 6-2. and two. I think they're going to lose – I don't know. I'm I'm looking at this as a collection of games, and yeah. I think they're going to lose two of them. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you with the, with the six and two. Um, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Penn State are. I think you're going to lose one of those three. Is the way I'm I'm betting on basically. I mean, talk to me the week of. I I won't say that. <laughs> But <laughs> I think <laughs> that's the guy I know. We will. We'll when, talk to him. <laughs> when you when you bring in the three, it's like into a hole. It's like okay, let's say they go one and th- or two and one out of those. I think that's a fair way to look at it. You're gonna lose to Ohio State six and two is where is where I'm at. So um, over under, they're at six and a half. Obviously, again, counting the the crossover uh, game. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the matchup against Minnesota before we, we move on. Um, and then we can crack another beer and get another grade out there here too. Um, what is this? actually, we were supposed to grade, uh, deer here. beer, deer beer. Let's, let's do deer a beer. quick grade of deer beer. Uh, Ryan, you start us off. Uh, very, very light beer. Would you say this is like a 4.4 or something? Yeah, it's uh 4.2% alcohol. It's light, crisp, refreshing American lager. Yeah, this is just... It is everything that it it claims to be. Yeah. It's just not my style. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge fan. I'm gonna go six one. All right, Micah. <laughs> I'm gonna echo Ryan because it is not my style of beer. I do imagine drinking that beer right there over, say, like a like a Bush Light or something like that in the woods, but. F- it's it's good for what it is. It's it's just not my type of beer. I'm gonna go with a six point eight. It, when I'm hunting deer in the woods, I will drink this every single time. I just don't hunt, so I'm just <laughs> right? not gonna be drinking it. You said six point eight. Is that right, Mike? Yes. Guess? I all right. I, I'm I'm gonna go with a six nine mainly because I do like those kind of beers. Um, when I'm in the mood for them, and that is a beer that I could drink a crap ton of like that that is my ideal wedding beer because usually my wedding beer is oh, like yeah. bud light something like that bush light i would much rather be drinking that uh because it, it tastes a lot better yes it does um and it, it's very good for what it's supposed to be so I, I went with a six nine so that is where i am at with that um and was that it all right let's talk about the the matchup against minnesota um i'm not extremely confident about this game and and so we've talked a little bit about the spread uh at least off air where it went from michigan being a two and a half point underdog to being a three and a half point favorite uh i don't understand it it's very confusing to me Um, it's covid covid it's covid yeah it is But, but all right i just look at it as you have your very first start as a quarterback i that is yeah, how how many times do you have a, a guy in his very first start go out go out and prove it on the road? I don't see it against I'm a good very, team. Very very nervous about it. In Minnesota, has a bunch of swag. They have they're they're good. They have talent. That is not ideal they're for a, a first start. Like I would much <laughs> yeah. rather have three cupcake games before we, you know Joe Milton really gets tested. And as much as I like. What Joe Milton's going to be long term? I'm very nervous about his 
ability in this first first game on the road. I know no fans or whatever, but yeah. it's just it's nerve wracking to me. This is me overthinking the whole thing. I want them to establish the run early, yep. but not in a predictable way. I want them to do end around end arounds. <laughs> right. I want them to do Chris p- pitches to the outside. <laughs> yeah, I want them to be a little unconventional to unconventional to start so that Joe Milton gets his feet under him. He gets a little bit of confidence in this offense. It's moving on the field, but it's not just like hand it off to Charbonnet, run up the gut, and see what happens right away. Because Minnesota is going to be all over that. <laughs> They're going to be. All over oh that. yeah. Yep. Big time. What about you, Mike? What is your? What is there a matchup in particular? I think we know a little bit more about these two teams more than we do Rutgers, Michigan State. Is there a matchup that you like for Michigan and a matchup you don't like for Michigan? The matchup I don't like is Rashad Bateman in our secondary. Yeah. Uh, I'm young secondary, gonna, oh, young secondary, experienced quarterback. Very honest with you, he's Bateman's a quarterback. He's, he's right? going to be a first round pick. Yeah, well, no, Bate, rec- wait, sorry, ba- ba- Bateman's ba- the Bateman's the receiver. The that receiver back that, in. Okay, yeah, that's right. But sorry. yes, experienced quarterback as well. But with our young corners and our, it's nerve wracking uh, for sure. Bateman would have been a first or second round pick that, this year, in this year's draft. That's really where you got to uh, see Daxon Hill step up and maybe treat over onto his side time. and be that guy to yeah. help out. Pound the dude when he gets catches the ball. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think Don Brown is going to rely heavily on Daxon Hill simply with his speed. I mean, yeah. he's, he has got to be on it. Um, I would say the the defensive line actually. I like that that offset that we have with their offensive line. I don't know much about their offensive line, but with those two ends that we have, size could. Like they might have talent, but if they don't have size, and we don't know a lot about them, our right. our defensive line will take advantage of teams that do not have the size. Hundred percent. Right. And I think that's where we could catch Minnesota a little off guard. Because our, I I actually think our defensive ends are very dominant, mm. way more dominant than what people are going to give them credit for going into the season. And I think they're going to prove a lot of people wrong. Look at that. You know that music. It is time to make our DeHops Brewing Company and Cafe Picks of the Week. But before we do, I want to remind everyone to stop into DeHops Brewing Company and Cafe for some of the best beer in West Michigan. The family-friendly atmosphere is perfect for whatever you have going on. And if you mention State of My Sports, you can get a little nice discount when you carry out a crowler or on your first pint when you dine in. Whatever your beer of choice is, we're sure DeHops has something you would like just as much, if not more. Keep an eye out for some of their great beers at your local uh, favorite beer store. You can carry out a six-pack of their double dry-hopped New England IPA Seven Secrets. It's one of our favorites here at State of My Sports. Stand Delicious, another one of our favorite uh, beers here, which is their incredible juicy IPA. It's packed with mosaic hops that create notes of pineapple and citrus soft on the palate and has just enough bitterness to pull you back in for another sip or the world beer championship silver medal award winning shadow box dark lager it's also known or it's also being sold in six packs now if you're not in the walker area uh, to carry out a six pack be sure to ask your favorite beer store to start carrying their great beer and if you haven't started the hops brewing company cafe is also the officially brewery of state of my sports in 2020 so please check them out let them know what you that we sent you let them know that we sent you i think i got it at the end there you got it you got it crushed it before we get into the results let's do a little quick beer grade what are we drinking right now micah is it the which one is it superior superior, superior AZ. AZ. 
Is. Yeah. Is. Hazy Double IPA. Uh, 9.5. This is the one that you can only get up north in the UP or here here on the the sports podcast, and you ain't getting it here because we're drinking it. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, This is good. There's a lot of complex flavors, uh, stuff I'm not very familiar with. Um, so I'm going to go with a 8.1. I, I think this beer is so flavor first. Ton of flavor. Right? I mean, this thing is like, it's bold. It's, I don't even know how to really describe it. I'm, I'm not good at describing beers anyways, but, <laughs> but this is like so much flavor from the beginning to the end. And I, I'm really, really enjoying this. I'm going to go huge grade, 8.8. Woozers, nice, Whoa. nice. This is awesome. I really like it as well. Uh, I'm going to go with an 8.3 for all the reasons you guys said. There you go. Nice. Did we have uh, results from last we week's We had pickings? the results. Micah, uh, he was leading the way until he went 1-4. <sighs> Kyle went three and two. Ryan four and one, along with myself at four and one. So, the standings are: First I last. am leading sixteen, or I am leading with a sixteen and thirteen record. Uh, Ryan and Kyle are tied f- with fifteen and fourteen, and Micah, you went from first to worst with fourteen and a fifteen record. That hurts. That yeah, hurts. So that is where the results are at. But we are going to make our picks. And we are going to start, since we got the college football music going, let's start with Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is minus three at home. Uh, I will go first. I got OK State uh, just because I don't know much about either team, and I'm going to take the favorite. Uh, Kyle took OK State as well. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Yeah, home game, Oklahoma State. I don't know anything about either one, so I'm going to go with that. (laughs) Micah. (laughs) Iowa State. Iowa State. He's looking <laughs> them. He's trying to. He's trying to gain some points. Yeah. To gain some let's, bad luck. Let's, let's call it what it is. <laughs> All right. So let's move down to Rutgers at Michigan State. Michigan State is a fifteen and a half point favorite. Whoa. Oh, that seems man. like way too many points to me. I'm sure they're going to cover, half? but I'm taking Rutgers. Fifteen and a half seems way too much for for this type of game. It's going to be very low scoring. I'm not even sure either team's going to hit twenty. So. Why would I take 15 and a half? I don't know. I'm, I'm taking Rutgers fif- plus 15 and a half. Kyle took Rutgers as well. Ryan. Rutgers. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, Mike Ryan. Is, Mike, is, Mike is used to being in first, so <laughs> he's used to making picks a little pretty mature. You know what? I'm going Whoops. Michigan State here. Mike, you took Rutgers? Yes, sir. I think Michigan wow. State's got it. I don't know. All I, right, I we'll believe in them. Okay. We'll, and right. we'll, we'll do our last college football pick here. We got Michigan at Minnesota. Minnesota, so we talked about the spread. It went from a two-and-a-half-point favorite to now all of a sudden Michigan is a three-point favorite. Minnesota's plus three at home. I'm taking Minnesota. I don't trust Joe Milton game one against this talented of a team. Uh, I think Minnesota's uh, – I'm nervous that they're going to win this game outright. But they're at least going to cover the three points. Uh, Kyle took Michigan. Ryan, what say you? Michigan. I trust Joe Milton in a game like this against a talented team. I'm, I'm going Michigan. Micah? Minnesota. Dang, damn it. 
Did you that's did fair. you catch up? That's fair. That's he, fair. He didn't catch up. That's right. I would have gone with Whoa, Maryland, but we, uh, we just switched to some NFL music. That means we got two NFL games to pick. We're gonna start with Steelers at the Titans. Titans two plus two at home. I'm two, taking the two plus two. Is that four? Two plus two. No, two there's plus, plus two. two. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm taking the Steelers uh, minus two. Uh, Kyle's taking the Titans plus two. Micah, where are you going? Or Ryan, where are you going with this one? I'm going Steelers on this one too. I think they're really good. I think they're very good. I'm going with the Steel Curtain. Steel Curtain, he says. All righty. We're all betting against Derrick Henry. our last uh, – no, Kyle. Kyle. Oh, Kyle, Kyle took the Kyle Titans. Kyle Titans, okay. Yeah. All right, the last pick, we got the Lions at the Falcons. Falcons are a three-point favorite. Gosh. I'm taking my Lions. I'm sorry, but I don't know if they win, but they're at least going to keep it close. Uh, Kyle's taking the Falcons. Ryan, what about you? Ah, this is the worst. I don't I don't like betting against the Lions, so I'm not going to. I'm going Lions. <laughs> That's the only reason, though. Micah? I think the Falcons are going to win, but Lions. I'm going to go with the Falcons. Falcons, all right. Not not happily, though. I suckered him into that pick. That's fair. Those are our picks of the week. Uh, man, that those picks went quick. They usually don't go that quick, but well, they, we're at like they four did. hours. We're, yeah, hours. We're, we're a little too far far into the game here. So uh, let's let's get into our. Michigan beer grades. It is time to grade our Michigan beer grades for episode 77. But before we do, I want to remind everyone to, of our partner at Sicilianos Market. They are simply the best beer store in West Michigan, located on Lake Michigan Drive, right between Grand Valley State's main campus and downtown Grand Rapids. Wherever you live in West Michigan, it is worth the short drive for what they have to offer. Look, you can go in and know what you want, and they'll have it. Or you can go in and say, this is the type of beer I want, and they'll give you what what you, what you want, and that's going to be um, unbelievable. Their their expert staff is unbelievable. They do a great job at, at picking out what you're looking for, and they have so much to work with. Such a great inventory of everything. They, so they have a, a great inventory of, of the craft beer, obviously, uh, which fits great for us. Uh, they have wine. They have tobacco, if you like that. They have um, spirits as well. They have it all. You can, also, if you if you're into brewing or winemaking, they have all the supplies there that you'll need. The the biggest selection in West Michigan. So check them out for that. We love that they're a part of the state of my sports family. We love that we 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 can count on them to help us pick out our beers for every single episode. They really are the um, best the best beer store in West yeah, Michigan. Yeah, I absolutely love that they're they're part of this and. Uh, we can count on them to, to help us figure out what we want, what we need for for every single episode. Obviously, it's a different type of episode. We're drinking a crap ton of uh, Big Lake Brewing, Big Lake Brewing beer. Uh, we've gone through the majority of them. Um, right now, we all have um, Big Lake Camper in our glasses, right? So that's what we're going to grade right now. We'll start with the big. We'll <laughs> way start off. with the. He's way off. This is yours. I already had that. Oh, you did? Today, yeah. So go. I'm just going to go off of memory because I, I don't <laughs> think I should drink anymore. All right, so, so let's grade Swing Juice. You got Swing Juice in your guys' glasses? Swing Juice. Yes, I do. All right, so tell us a little about Swing Juice, Micah, <coughs> and then we can uh, grade it. Yeah, so Swing Juice is a crushable IPA made with Citra and Amarillo hops. Not guaranteed to give you a better golf swing. But it can't hurt to try. I know a lot of people that need a better golf swing, including uh, myself. Myself. All right. Hello. So what kind of grades are you guys looking at here? <laughs> I went with an 8.5. So Whoa. it's a 5.5 percenter. I like it. It's easy um, to drink. 
It is easy to drink. But it something has good you could, flavor, too. Something you could drink on the golf course, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Michael, what's your grade? Let me tell you everything <laughs> about my grade. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about my grade to tell you about your grade. That's I'm going to go with a 7.5. Ryan? 7.8. Seven, 7.8. Seven, it's I good. It's, it's go super high? light, super easy <laughs> to drink. No, no, no. It's, and it's got the flavor there. I think whatever's missing with Sparty Party, this is it. All right. So now what we what we also have in our glasses is the Big Lake Camper, right? Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna grade that one. Um, I, I'm gonna go with a eight two. I thought that was a no 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 never mind. I I, I got those confused. I'm gonna go eight eight. I love that beer. That is one of my favorite beers. Solid. Eight eight. Eight eight. Yeah, eight seven here. Really good. Extremely good flavor to it. I I don't have any. Anything else to say? <laughs> <laughs> We're all at a good point. I, I think that's one of their best beers. I'm going to go with an 8.8 eight also. Nice. All right, so I'm just going to go down. That That's all of them, right? So we're going to start with, we're in this together. I gave, we're in this together at 8.5. Ryan, 8.5. Mike, 8.5. Wow, right across the board, 8.5s. Uh, then we went to Superior A. Hayes. Uh, Micah with an 8.1. <laughs> Ryan at 8.8. Eight, eight. amazing. Did I do that good or no? That was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. The best. Uh, Ryan, eight eight. I gave it an eight three. We had the cotton candy haze at the very beginning of the episode. I gave it a seven five. Ryan, eight two. Micah, a seven seven. Uh, we moved down to swing juice, which we just graded. Ryan, a seven five. Micah, seven eight. I gave it an eight five. Uh, then we had some. We had some fun with our our two um, Michigan State and Michigan teams. Uh, Sparty party, seven percent alcohol. Ryan, 7-3. I gave it a 7-9. Nope, Micah gave it a 7-9. I gave it a 7-7. Went down to Haze and Blue. Ryan, 8.3. Micah, 8.2. I gave it an 8.4. We're all in the same area there. Uh, Big Lake Camper, which we just graded. Ryan, 8-7. Micah, 8-8. Myself, 8-8. And then last but not least, Deer Beer. Uh, It's light, crisp, refreshing American lager. Ryan, a 6-1. Micah six eight. I gave it a six point nine. Hoofta. What a good, good episode. That was great. Thank you to Big Lake Brewing. Thank you to Sicily Island's Market for giving us or or helping us figure out the that what beers we wanted to degrade tonight. <laughs> um, I mean, this has been more more than generous. This such a good good amount of beer here. So wow, I'm just. <laughs> Gonna, great. I am at a point you're here. Right? Good to be here. Boy, I don't know what's going on with the. <laughs> I scrambling. think this guy's ready to go to bed, eh? <laughs> he started the other music. Thank you all for listening to episode 77. We'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. We got there, guys. It finally came. Peace. See where things go naturally